Don't spill. Hey, there's a guy burning the Puerto Rican flag. Who? Who is burning the flag? Him? Not very nice. Action. Did you know what day this is? Because I know what day this is. They know what day this is. So I was wondering if you know what day this is. Because it's Puerto Rican day. Maybe we should have stumped you. Like you stumped the flag. What do you think of that? Now look, I just have one thing to say to you boys. <laughs> My dogs will make noises eventually. <laughs> uh, uh, completely understandable. So please forgive uh, in advance. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Mex Flentayo. It's me, as always, the true outlaw of comics, Mr. Excuse Old me. Remo- Excuse me. What's up? What? Uh, I thought you said this, this was going to be like my episode. Well, I know we talked about it was going to be your episode, but I feel like you kind of messed up the scheduling a little bit. No, but... Um, no, it's like you kind of messed with the scheduling a little bit. I always, it's always usually my friends on the show, so I feel like the audience is used to. This like, is oh, my friend now. This is my friend. Your, I know it's your friend this time, but I'm saying like usually it's my friend, so the audience is usually like, oh well, Ramon is the guy who's going to introduce the show. It might just be weird. It might just be like off-putting. I I don't know. I think I, I think I I can do it uh, if if the audience believes in me. Well, I could I could probably pull it off. Come on. Were, you're Come just on. always so toxic that I don't know why they would have any faith that you wouldn't kind of bring that toxic, disgusting... Hey, everybody. Welcome to uh, Mexicalentayo. Oh. This is... <laughs> start <laughs> I'm over. Take, start I'm just over, taking over. I'm, I'm, I'm jacking I'm jacking. Well, start the over intro. again because that was weak entrance. No, 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 no. Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. This is Mexicalentayo. Welcome to another episode. This is episode 13. Lucky number 13. Uh, lucky number Teresa, if if you know what I'm talking about in Puerto Rico, uh, we got a really special episode over here, uh, and we're gonna be we're gonna be talking about a lot of things. Uh, I I this is Daniel Irizarry, el bichote de los comics in oh, wow. in Puerto Rico. Um, I you're the number one outlaw. I gotta have something today. This is this is extra Puerto the, Rican. You say the the bichote, bichote, <laughs> <laughs> and oh, okay. and and I'm joined. I'm joined by my co-host, uh, the number Wait. one outlaw in comics, uh, Ramon yep. Villalobos. How are you, Ramon? I'm <laughs> doing pretty good. I don't like the way that you introduced the show. Again, I feel like it was my place to do it, but you know, I did say it was your show, so I, you go ahead and run the show. Thank see, you. Let's see how it works out for you. Thank you for trusting in me. I will fuck it up at minimal percent. Um, joining us today, uh, we have uh, a very special guest. Uh, in my opinion, one of the most important creators in the comics community in Puerto Rico. She's known for her soda pop comics, uh, organizing Tintero, Puerto Rico's premier indie comics festival. 
Uh, she's a contributor to uh, indie comics publications like The Nib. Uh, please welcome Rosa Colon Guerra. Hi. How are you doing, Rosa? I'm fine over here in P fucking R, right? Because we're P fucking R. <laughs> uh, like I, I, I need to disclaimer. I don't know if I'll be able to control going into Spanglish with Rosa here. <laughs> <laughs> this That's fine. It's not like most of our listeners are non-Spanish speakers, so I mean, I could see why you would. <laughs> yeah, we actually haven't been very embraced by the Latinx community. Um, uh, I, I, I think I think a lot of people love the the specific flavor. Uh, people I talk to, at least. Well, they like it, but I'm saying like other Latinx people, they are not really. They're not fucking. I think with they're me. hostile towards us. I think they're jealous of our of our you know crossover appeal. Yeah. I, I think that falls into haters and losers. <laughs> well, however, um, they just don't know that we exist. That's the other thing that's possible. That that might be it. Uh, a, a little, a little like clarification, the bichote thing, just in case. I don't, I don't want to like get uh, shit on for like appropriating like culture. Like bichote is the thing, uh, uh, like the kingpin of a uh, drug lord over here. That's that's our word for it. The biscotti, and, the like the little cookie thing sure and <laughs> and basically bad bunny came out with a song that oh wow what that was called like that said yo siempre quise ser bichote like i always wanted to be bichote and it's always been funny to me how basically all of the like privileged white uh normal puerto ricans or like uh, upper class puerto ricans have been like singing the song like full blast even though they've been nowhere near like me included i've been nowhere near the the bichotes in general ah yeah it, yeah it's, it's uh it's part of the appeal right it's that um scene in office space where the guy is listening to hip-hop and he's blasting it and as soon as the african-american guy shows up he lowers the the music and he locks his door yeah and, <laughs> yeah the same thing that is absolutely the idea with with that song. But Rosa, I I, I, I invited you to the show. I, I as soon as I got the green light from Ramon, I I was begging him for weeks, <laughs> just crying, <laughs> just crying. Okay. You asked me weeks ago if we could do it, and I was like, yeah, go ahead, whenever. And then you're like, okay, well, let me see if. W-. And then it took like four weeks for you to settle it in, and it's like, you know, that's fine. You yeah, know, it, it, I I I've take had- my time. This is a gourmet <laughs> episode. <laughs> I was happy I, though because before mm-hmm. we did this episode, I was like, "Okay, but I don't know that much about Puerto Rico at all." Like honestly, mm-hmm. so I got to do some some reading, some watching of videos. Um, I got to really sort of get a Immersed. little bit of a a little bit of a primer in what's happening there. But so I'm kind of excited to sort of relay that to the audience that, you know, maybe listens to you on the show, but doesn't really know about your experiences over there. And that's why I'm so glad Rosa's here because she could actually give some insight, some yes. intellectual insight, not just like your takes, but like <laughs> no. good takes, you know? Well, I, I hope yeah, I don't disappoint. Is... I'm, I'm not a history major or anything <laughs> like that. I'm just, but uh, and I'm, I'm really and... pumped for this discussion. <laughs> yeah. Rosa, you've, I think even if you you don't consider yourself an expert, you've certainly uh, dedicated an amount of your uh, professional career to um, spotlighting the specific uh, plight that that we deal with here on the island. Because 
I think what's so unique about your voice and a um, couple of others, but we're talking to you. Um, your voice in in the comics culture is that you were speaking as a Puerto Rican on the island about Puerto Rican issues. Um, it's very different. Like I, I wanted to touch upon the difference uh, in reality about growing up on the island versus the sort of fantasy Puerto Rico that a lot of diaspora, diaspora Puerto Ricans um, seem to uh, idealize. Idealize is a good word. Yeah, I think what drew me to to write uh, these like the nonfiction political comics was that I <laughs> was also not aware of these problems because I always I don't know uh, I'm I'm a bit older than you guys I I was in university in the 90s and there's there's kind of like a if you weren't political then you were kind of living in a haze where you were aware that things were happening in the periphery but you had some sort of privilege of ignoring it I guess uh, mm -hmm. and then as I grew into an adult it it became impossible to ignore and and then uh, for the past three years I said well how can I how can I learn about these things and how can I help other people learn about these things but that's my dog uh <laughs> what what's their name that's cutie she's famous in the podcasting world because she, <laughs> she just wants to participate as well yeah i think i think what what happens is that i one of the reasons i i uh, i feel like uh like uh um i i forget what the word is now like one of the reasons i connect with your work and the 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 things you Uh, just put out online because you also do your podcast. Um, yes. Is that we are kind of caught between two worlds. Like, exactly. We, we grew up in a very Americanized pop culture reality. Um, all the things that we like, all the movies that we like to see are, you know, popular Hollywood movies and stuff like that. But... Uh, like superhero movies in, in, in particular, like everyone, everyone enjoys them, but um, we were constantly seeing those, those things. Uh, and it was at conflict with our political reality. Also that uh, is very true. And also I find that we were suffering for, from a, like a countrywide low self-esteem because Part of the part of my journey uh, has been remembering when I used to say things like there's nothing happening here or nothing, mm -hmm. nothing of note is made here uh, because my own education was so also my my education on my country's history was so lacking, um, even in university, I find uh, <laughs> that you didn't have any history. You didn't have any history to to back up that and say, okay, sorry guys, I'm so sorry. Uh, you didn't have any history to to back to back any any argument. So people would say, but the, there's no art here, there's no entertainment here, there's no, and you would say, well, 
And then you would draw a blank because you didn't have your history to to say, well, you know, this guy did this and that girl did that and that woman did this and that mm -hmm. man did that. And and you're wrong and you're also wrong because you live here and you can do things yourself and, and they're of note. Um, so so part of it's a complete uh, cultural amnesia. It's a cultural amnesia, but I, I think it right. It's on purpose because that's part of how mm -hmm. we know what we know now is part of colonialism. Uh Right. That we know that they kind of on purpose erase certain achievements and erase certain people from books. And so you never actually learn it. And and those those comics from that I wrote on the nib, they usually start with me texting my friends and going, did did you guys know about this? And uh, from from four very educated adults, only one of them would answer. Yeah, of course, my teacher taught me that. And then the other. Uh, there us three would go well i didn't learn any of this in school and i didn't learn it in university where when did you learn this and and it's it's a constant learning and it's a constant relearning of your history so that you you figure out wait a minute i live in a country with a very rich culture uh that most people don't know about because we're we're very severed from from that history mm-hmm mm-hmm I I completely agree and and I think that your your work conveys that very very beautifully. Thank you. Um and and I guess part of the reason the the inspiration for what I wanted to do with this episode is to explain that like Puerto Rican politics is messy. Yeah. Uh, uh like Ramon what 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 were you able to like uh uh absorb absorb of, of what uh so has my been... week-long sort of deep yeah dive just dive generally well one of the things that was very shocking that was very funny is so like especially because you know there's like certain people that i trust to give me information about things so i'll go to them first right so one of them is um uh michael brooks who passed away but he would always have like uh, segments on his show about different places around the world. And I always really admired that about him. And so I would listen, I would look up like, you know, Puerto Rico, majority report, Puerto Rico, <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. Michael Brooks. And one of the first videos that I watched was of you, <laughs> of Daniel uh, calling into this show and just barely getting out the words. Cause you were just so frustrated and so, like, I think nervous and like the the comments are just like, this guy sucks <laughs> yeah. as a caller. No. The, the yeah. information was yeah. good. I'm so glad we're all so... TMR fans. And I'm still so enraptured that Daniel has had the guts to call because I haven't had the guts to call. I would I melt. <laughs> I never have anything good to say. But yeah, I was so psyched that I, I put it on. And I just hear Daniel's voice. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> He's like, I'm here from Puerto Rico, and I, I just want to talk about Lin Manuel Miranda and what an asshole he is. And I was like, Whoa, this guy's going off. <laughs> that's my Daniel impression. It's that, not that, there that's yet. That's pretty. That's pretty. Pretty good. Um, you were so brave calling, and you called twice. I I could never. I would. Die. I actually called like three times. You did? I actually called three oh, times. Wow. Um, not, but who's, who's counting? counting right, who's counting? Right, right. <laughs> Flex. Did you cry um, every time, or was it just the first one? Oh, like only the first one. I was hyperventilating. Like <laughs> this by the by the second one, I was calling uh, 
on a Michael Brooks Thursday, uh. and I was specifically. It was a lot more relaxed. He had he had this way of making the the environment actually like that's that's almost a lie like he, if he didn't like a call he would he was rough with very non, honestly yeah. <laughs> tear that shit down Man, so so, cool. so my my take from it well so i watched some like other things too it's funny listening to like different perspectives though because i then i did watch stuff from like lin-manuel miranda and uh this is other guy what's this guy's name that we're going to talk about today edgardo edgardo where it's just like on one hand you have people who who are on the island that are like, okay, clearly the colonialism, like the, like the American empire cannot support having this sort of side project, Puerto Rican side project where we out, where we outsource like, you know, our own um, ideas about how people should be farming and how people should be using power and how people should be like running schools, which is like things that we exported there where we're like, okay, I don't care what, what, you know, is good for the people of Puerto Rico. We need these specific fruits or vegetables from you. So just forget the idea of like having any kind of like biodiversity and being able to feed your, your own population. Like just give us enough that way you could be part of this, like, you know, international trade shit. And same with like, you know, uh, there's all kinds of solar powered energy movements that are going on over there. And they're just like, yeah, I don't know about all that shit. Get on this grid. That is like, you know, fucking we have so much flickering sun. out and yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, they keep saying that you have so much fun. Do you have more sun than other people? Like, I don't yes. understand. Yes, just because there's no clouds or what? No, it's just we are at, at a point in, in the Earth where we get oh, okay. we get so like we're right near yeah. the equator. So I see, uh, I see. But I'm like, you're... you know, the sun go, hits everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but it's very different no, it's to have different like here. solar it's energy in Alaska. No, I kid, but yeah, I uh, I know what you mean, uh, and it's kind of part of of keeping keeping the Caribbean in check too, right? Because we all of our right. all of these islands that make up the Caribbean could have uh, could be leaders in solar energy, could be leaders in sustainability, mm -hmm. but uh, but colonialism. <laughs> well, so you have you, you you have there's this conflict where the United States can no longer function as this global power the way they had for like years and years, because just like, frankly, the States cannot keep itself fucking functioning. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. just inside, you know, like there's just crumbling infrastructure. There's, you know, terrible, uh, like healthcare there, you know, there's, we just can't, we can't sustain our own governance, much less like now be puppet masters to like other countries uh, or not other countries, like other, um, what you call it? I guess this would be Terrorist? like this would be a country if we if we if we were Colonies. allowed. Like yeah. yeah, we're 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 a colony. But like uh, uh, speaking for myself, I've always seen uh, Puerto Rico as its own nation. We we we've we right. have always prided ourselves in our participation in the Olympics. Yeah. Well, that's what yeah. But so like you yeah. Mm -hmm. So you have that you have that system going on it, where it just doesn't make sense that that's happening, and you have from the outside it looks like you have people. Who like the the diaspora that you were talking about, people that are that are in this country that have a lot of love for that country, but mostly they see it as another just like business opportunity, and that's 
I think like what we're going to get into, I think kind of on the show a bit is a lot of people because, because American capitalism is so like rotten to, to our core, they think the best way to help Puerto Rico is to just set up businesses so that you can export sort of like the capitalist structures that are failing this country onto that country. When there are people in that country that are like, no, 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 we don't want more privatization. We don't want this fucking more toxic version of capitalism to just run everything. We want public funded schools. We want, you know, public funded uh, just programs that'll help our people and mm -hmm. not necessarily be like, we don't like we're good. We Like, you know, the statehood thing is just more of like another American fantasy of like, oh, wouldn't it be great? for like American Democrat liberals to just be like, Oh, wouldn't it be great to have another state? Then we would run the country forever. Not yeah. thinking about like the people that actually live there, how they would vote. Yeah. It's just like a foregone conclusion because th they've always seen Puerto Ricans as a foregone conclusion. And that's like, sp that's part of what I'm gathering is just like, even people from over here that think that they're helping all that they're doing is trying to force more horrible politics onto a country that is just like really doesn't need it. Yeah. Or, you know, a, a, an Island that just is like, we could take them or leave them. The, yeah. the, the, <laughs> you, you bring up, you bring up the statehood argument and that's like a perfect seg into a lot of the context of all of this that I wanted to like touch upon because uh, there's a statehood wait, wait, argument. First of all, how did I do? Was that all right? That was, that was not, that was, Pretty... That was off top. I didn't rhyme it. Like yeah. I didn't do a Lin Manuel Miranda, so I don't know if the Puerto Ricans like <laughs> fully. Im you didn't do a Def Jam. You didn't do a Def Jam poetry about it. I didn't do Def Jam poetry, so I wasn't sure if you and Rosa were gonna like be able to fully like approve of that. It was fine. No, like you were you were right in 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 maybe in an ideal sense. There is a lot more of a contingent of Puerto Ricans who do think that they that the solution would be statehood and that is mm -hmm. part of like the but, puerto rico's conservative party yeah. and but also and the dynamics it's <laughs> a problem because uh i think because this has been made to 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 be the question for all of generations mm -hmm. like our grandparents our parents us and generation z and and the the sumers um it's a question that's always been asked, but there's no real answer because there's no there's there's no education behind it. Like you have the statehood people who believe that belonging to the great American nation is is going to solve problems or just going to is just going to give them a sense of belonging. Because I feel like if you cornered a person and actually said, OK, well, you believe in statehood. What do you think? What more do you think are what more are you gonna get from this relationship? Mm -hmm. And I think they they what they they wouldn't be able to answer because I think to them statehood is like like a movie and you're in New York and you have your loft apartment and you have all of mm. these all of these things that 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 they they show you are is progress and is wealth and is all of these things. But I don't I've never heard a statehood person articulate what else would they be getting out of the relationship other than we wouldn't be a territory and we would have uh, the the two representatives in Congress and I don't know how many I don't know how many Congress people I think two congressmen and four representatives and that's the one of those something yeah like something that. like that and that's the currency the Democrats use to 
to entice uh, people for statehood, right? Like, oh, if you come to our party, mm-hmm. we would we would go over in Congress and we would get more things and then you would get more things. But I don't know what those things are. Yeah, the, the funny thing about that, and it's something I've already mentioned a couple times uh, to Ramon, either on, on the show or not, is the fact that these Democrats, their fantasy of... Uh, uh, Puerto Rico as as a state is like they're somehow expecting like New York to yeah when what they would really be getting is Florida too uh-huh and and more con- and a little bit more conservative than Florida more yes more conservative because our statehood party like talking about the political parties and our re- relation relationship to the status of the island um Beyond what you want uh, that relationship to the United States to be, uh, the the statehood party on the island is incredibly conservative and and Christian evangelical. There is a there is a, a, a direct association like what would be Republicans in the states are the pro statehood people. On the island, yeah. and what what I'm wondering a question mm-hmm. that I have though um, is if they just because the majority of statehood proponents are conservative is the majority of Puerto Rico that way? Do you find or well, uh, yes, there <laughs> have been there have been referendums, yeah. there have been <laughs> referendums on the matter many times throughout the decades. Uh, the most recent one uh, was. Uh, in 2020 during the elections and sure. that one was uh 52% to 47% in favor of statehood and so the just for the listener the way it works right is Puerto Rican Puerto Ricans can say like yes we want to be a state and then it's up to the United States to like ratify but really like they're you, that's just saying like yes we will be accepted into this and then Americans will just be like all right. Well, but n- none yeah, of they- the <laughs> referendums have been have been uh, approved by Congress. They're just exercises yeah, in vote. But that's how yeah. it works. They're all non-binding. Say, they're non-binding. You say like, well, yeah, we would love to be a McDonald's franchise, and the McDonald's <laughs> yeah. corporation has to be like, oh, for sure, we'll give you some Big Macs. Exactly, and and yeah. it's crazy too because um, also the way they do the referendums is is very biased. So. Uh, yes. most of the referendums are try to 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 put statehood yay or nay or statehood and status quo and they usually leave out independence and status quo yeah. if the if it's statehood and status quo which is the ELA the 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 government we have now uh people mm-hmm. usually go for the status quo because we are very much afraid of change and we haven't had um yeah uh, we haven't had anybody explain fully what does it mean to be a state. Uh, so remote. Uh-huh. Uh, Sorry. Do you know? Do you know like uh, this? This um, what? You, do you know what? Uh, uh, free and fair elections. What percentages usually come out in 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 elections or referendums? Like what? What amount of percentage do you start to suspect? that the election might have been uh not as free or fair from 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 your per- perspective i don't know uh like 60% 70% 80% like i mean are you what are you asking like you're asking how much people basically at what percent do you start to suspect 
that uh, an election was not uh, necessarily as democratic or as fair as it would imply. I don't know. Well, in 2017, right after Ricky Rosselló uh, became governor, uh, they did another statehood referendum. And this was a a referendum that was not tied to any elections. They just decided to make that specific thing be the 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 vote not uh, like a special referendum and mm-hmm. the statehood vote got 97 percent oh come on well because uh <laughs> that that referendum was actively boycotted by the the PPD and the and the independence party yeah but that number mm. was taken everywhere and celebrated as as a right. re- resounding statement. Puerto Rico wants to be a state. Ninety seven percent of Puerto yeah. Ricans want to be a state. But so I think like, that even the the courts in the U.S. went like, settle down. <laughs> that wasn't that wasn't a great. But yeah, uh, if you put the three options on the table for a referendum, uh, it's it's more evenly balanced. Be, and and especially I think. For people my age and younger, the the relationship with the United States becomes very murky and complicated. And uh, yeah, we, we haven't known any like positive relationship with the United States. No, but uh, we like to travel freely. Most of our friends are there now. That is yeah. true. So um, so it becomes that in that sense it becomes murky. When I was starting to to write the comics, I I asked everybody like, so do you think it should be independent or should should it be a statehood? And most people from from the art scene in Rio Piedras, right? Uh, so so very uh, left leaning uh, would answer, yeah, of course, mm-hmm. independence and and. But I kind of like my passport, too, and my friends are there, and my family's there, and half my family is now. And, and it, would become, uh, it would become very obvious that we're, we're linked in some way, but yes. as a country, we yeah. need to be as independent as the United States was when they yeah. threw England out of its shores. Uh, so I don't know why, <laughs> why people don't, don't connect like oh you want to be part of an independent country but you don't want your country to be mm-hmm. independent and and i don't know what we get out of it uh at all uh so i think independence yeah. of of course independence is the way to go uh but i also think that on the island there's no honest discussion about independence yeah there 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 has to in my in my opinion there has to be some kind of uh, development of autonomy uh, b- before, like the, like you can't just jump into independence. That's my ideal goal, but I feel like there should be some kind of transition phase. I, I, and... I don't even, I couldn't even imagine how how you would do it. But the fact that nobody is out there explaining how it would be done is part of the problem because we have so many decades of misinformation to fight before you mm-hmm. which is why because all of this is coming back to to the beginning of this discussion but uh, which is why i don't really believe that when people in the u.s say that they believe that puerto rico needs to self-determine well i don't mm-hmm. think that's possible because nobody understands like we're not capable we don't have the uh-huh. the knowledge to determine and there's no way that the independence party is gonna get equal funding 
uh, to mm-hmm. to create all of these educational campaigns and get equal footing and get equal time. If if you have if you always have the statehood uh, party in power and you have all of these big businesses that don't want to lose their um, tax uh, the tax haven that they've created here and they don't want to lose all of these things, so they're more into the status quo slash poor state. Versus the independence, uh, the independent country, and as long as there's no education on that, then people can't really vote with all of the knowledge to make a, a good decision for them. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think it's and very. And this is Ramon. This is um, this is like a little taste of <laughs> of what political conversations are in Puerto Rico because mm-hmm. I I'm right now I'm like holding all my energy I'm using all the energy I can to not be like yes but what about like like there's so many little intricacies to the right. the dynamics of of what uh the Puerto Rican status is what is the way forward I think that in I, I, like in a nutshell mm-hmm. you can say like we we are a colony we got a bit of a, a a short leash in the government we have now, which is the ELA that allowed allowed us to retain enough of our identity to to keep us happy while exploiting everything else uh, and creating this tax haven and and creating a, a a country of workers and not business owners or not um uh you know uh self-sustainable you we import all of our food we do all of these things Mm -hmm. and they gave us that short leash and within that short leash the people here made it even shorter by withholding information and education selling us uh selling us a very light version of our culture for example and we'll discuss this probably later right you know puerto ricans we don't have racism because we are african-american slaves and taino natives and spaniards and so we're very mixed and we we have beautiful women and beautiful men and and all of these things uh but that's just a very watered down version that excludes all the arab people that came here all the jewish people that came here and all this stuff and when and then and then on top of that you have people who who actively want to to become a state just for capitalism and business purposes and 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 for no yeah. other reason because there is no other reason <laughs> to become a state so so when when you see the this uh girl that like tackled uh the the black kid over a phone and she was she was using her puerto ricanness as a defense against her racism this is yeah. basically this is basically what we're talking about like there's a there's a sort of a cultural mythology. If I was her, what if I would use use for my defense mm-hmm. is like I didn't tackle that guy. There's <laughs> like you didn't see him hit the ground. That would have that would <laughs> like let's be real. I I kind of you know shouldered him, but let's not call it a tackle. That that would be weak. That yeah. If I wanted him to, on the ground. He'd be on the ground. That's what I would have said. That's a that's a that's a good that's a good line of defense. <laughs> but I think I think that this kind of like moves the conversation to uh, a little bit of what I wanted to touch on with. Um... Well, um, one one more thing oh, that yeah. I wanted to um, the other like element of it that I did sort of it was like super obvious was like that Puerto Rico while while being sort of at the mercy of like U.S. capitalism also like because because U.S. capitalism is on the decline, um, like they've they they've started acting like just deep austerity politics. 
So it's becoming harder and harder for for anybody over there. Like the poverty line, uh, I mean, the, uh, the poverty levels are so high just because it's like, well, yeah, like similar to over here, like how do people get jobs when like, um, when like automation and all this other shit is like taking control and like, they're just becoming less and less, uh, need for people. And so then people's needs aren't being met. The surface economy is, is, non-existent now like like most of most of right. the jobs that people could get was like sears working at the mall um right same as here yeah that's why that's why uh you can use examples for from small uh small town economies for puerto rico because that's exactly it right we had the we had right. this uh this law, eh, La Nueva and they brought all these pharmaceutical companies in and they brought all this mm-hmm. manufacturing companies in. And for a while, it was very prosperous. But most of the money yeah. leaves uh, the island because yes. it's a it's a tax thing, right? These companies weren't paying taxes. They're just using labor and labor is happy working and earning money. So we were very happy with all of those pharmaceuticals. But then... Uh, the federal government noticed that they weren't paying as many ta- as much taxes as they should, and they they canceled that law, and all of those pharmaceuticals moved away, and and the island hasn't really yeah. recovered from that, and it's been almost fifteen twenty years of a recession. It, yeah, we we basically yeah. have been in a nonstop recession. Yeah. Like most insides of towns are dead. There's a couple towns that like have flourished and i i well and exactly and you add to that the the you add to that there's no infrastructure for change and the people don't want to change as fast as the world is changing so you have a lot of lamentations Mm -hmm. about ah this this street used to be very busy uh with shops and people shopping around and it's like yeah it used to be very busy also we're in a recession but also shopping has changed commerce has changed Mm -hmm, and you need to change with it and if you're um, part of my, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm rambling a little bit here, but, um, part of my pandemic, uh, routine has been every Saturday I travel to an empty, an empty place or an abandoned place or a place I know there's not going to be a lot of people. So I just leave San Juan and I've been mm-hmm. traveling to all of these municipalities and I always leave so charged with energy because if I had if I, I always play the game like, what if I was mayor of this municipality? What would I do? And there's so much potential for so many things everywhere. But everything is... Weren't you, weren't you in Jelko yesterday? Yes, I was. There's like this man-made... Um, what is that called? A dam? It's a dam. Mm-hmm. And it was great. I just sat under a tree for like an hour. Uh, an hour and a half just watching pelicans eat. It was great. Uh, but... Well, that's the, that's the thing is like Puerto Rico is like a beautiful island and the only like the only reason why people from America will like talk about it or know about it is because it's a vacation exactly. place. Mm-hmm. So then you have those like local economies of places where people can go to a resort. And so it's it's just such a fucked up thing where it's like similar to like mm-hmm. Hawaii where you have to, or uh, if, I don't know if you ever seen the movie Florida Project. I have not, but I, I haven't write it down right now it's it's about people who live on the outskirts of disney world and just like their lives are just like sort of basically they're only there to facilitate out of towners visitors and people who bring in money from outside to pump into this place and then now you think about you know like during pandemics like 
all these places are, are going to be hit yeah. even worse. And coming on top of Puerto Rico just got hit with the fucking, you know, uh, which I forget the name of the hurricane because there's so many now. <laughs> we, we got a couple, but Maria's the... the Maria Maria's the one that was like made yeah. news out here, though. No, actually, that's... Yeah, a- but we, we also got hit with earthquakes. Yeah. Like we had, we had a, a big... Year. Last year, we we had a like a I fr- I don't know what the word would be, but like a series, a sequence, a sequence they called of it, yeah. earthquakes. But um, um, to the point that mm-hmm. that Ramon was saying, yeah, it's true, and and the dependence for a tourism economy is frustrating to say the least. Because when I travel to these uh, town centers and they have all of this history, the Spanish people built all these churches and everything's around all of these plazas, and you think. Man, if that if some person wasn't waiting for a for a U.S. citizen for a, a U.S. A continental U.S. citizen to come to the island to buy this this antique building for millions of dollars, if you could just you could if you could just let it go and sell it mm-hmm. to somebody local or sell it or rent it to to young adults who are looking to do their to start their businesses this could be a thriving town but you don't because you want to sell the the building at a premium to people from outside who actually have money because all of your all of your thoughts is what can i how can i bring things to the island uh that bring me money because all you think about is tourism and 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 i even read that like certain uh there were certain places that were withholding selling uh selling land and business to to people from the island because it's not as desirable as like somebody with bitcoin even if they did have the same amount oh, of God, the bitcoin. it's like they could they could withhold the sale because they want to they want to change the way the island culture looks and like you talk about you could go to like this man-made dam and like sit under a tree. There's all this natural beauty, but they want to turn it into like Cancun. right, exactly. They want to make it the most artificial version of that culture, of that nature, of that island. Nature is and not being productive just because enough. Because Americans are fucking stupid and they want the sanitized version. Uh, of full, it. full. I yes. mean, com- completely, completely. Full, full is full is a way that we just agree over yes. here. Yes, like that doesn't <laughs> fully agree. doesn't mean the same thing in English, but over here, full, full, full. Like, I mean, <laughs> completamente correct. Yeah, I, yeah. Well, it feels good that I got it. It feels good that I got a full. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and th- this uh, this idea that um, Puerto Rico is 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 not uh, for sale to Puerto Ricans. Like uh, I was sure I. I Rosa, I've been showing uh, Ramon like links and different videos <laughs> to like this modern wave of advertisement for Puerto Rico and like Lin Manuel Miranda visiting uh, Jimmy Fallon, yeah, and and Jimmy Fallon giving this punch this like tagline that like Puerto Rico is open for business. Puerto Rico's that back- was so ugh, that was, and it was so horrible uh, so soon after Maria. Because we we are yes. not. I watched uh, I watched some more videos of his trip to Puerto Rico because there you know there was it wasn't just oh they're going to Puerto Rico to raise money it was look how much money they raised look how great great Lin Manuel Miranda is and you know look at how you know what I mean yeah. it was like it was a branding opportunity for him and like I said like there's natural culture natural beauty of this place here's the McDonald's like prepackaged version of it and there is this clip where they talk about how they did this performance of Hamilton and they gave away, you know, some villagers 
ten dollar tickets like to local <sighs> to local yeah. residents. Mm-hmm. And the uh, so there was ten there's ten dollar tickets for people that lived on the island, but that's not how they made most of that money. They also sold five thousand mm-hmm. dollar tickets. I mean, that was a whole mess. That right there is the that is the like the clean sort of analogy of what's happening. Like not not they over. Have, not... They have a little bit of space, ten dollar tickets, and then they have. You know, if you want to be one of these fucking freaks that listen to Hamilton, here's a $5,000 ticket that you can go watch this horrible Broadway musical. So uh, people could be so people could be like I watched the Hamilton exclusive like limited edition on the island yeah, for after the hurricane. No, and that and that whole business was was even messier because the Hispanic caucus came here too and Julio yes, yeah. Julio got what was his name? Yeah, yeah, uh, Julian, Julian Jul- Castro. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, Julian Castro came and announced his his candidacy at that Hispanic. Yeah, oh, is yeah. That where he did that? And, but that was but that was around 2019. No, they um, came. Well, right. I don't know. Okay, I'll check about the Julian Castro. But the Hispanic yes, office did come in I, 2017, and they did meet with Ricky Rosselló, and and Lin Manuel's uh, dad mm-hmm. talked. At the Hispanic Caucus, which is because uh, the Le Manuel brand is that he's a this uh, a small New York boy who did mm-hmm. great things, but his dad was his dad was connected. Yeah, I that was really. I do connected. I do want to get to that since we're like already like jumping in completely into the Le Manuel Miranda subject. Like there there yeah. are there's so many aspects to him. Like just even talking about his business on the island there's so many different facets of it that it's not simply just the coming in and puerto rico is open for business it's not even just hamilton it's the nescafe stuff it's the even before that it's the promesa bill yes um you have to explain all that so nobody knows what you're talking about so i i I guess (laughs) i wanted to talk about like this uh reality of what what it's what it's like to be the well i'm not talking about that reality but like i want to explore these um children of uh elites uh one of which would be lin-manuel miranda but people who are very much connected deeply with power and how they will have coincidentally very successful children very uh uh, kids who will get uh Uh shots at broadway um yeah and i i I was using this example when we were doing the live stream and the inauguration but uh rosa do you know like joanna hausman uh no or uh she's she's the she's like the venezuelan me too comedian Oh. Uh, wait, wait, wait. And me too. MIT. Yeah, I feel like that was <laughs> bad on too, them to like... do that brand right before. <laughs> like, no, it's it, it's it's Latino abuse. Like, <laughs> me too. Um, but but she she basically like came uh up doing like quirky uh latina comedy like what you can't tell i'm latina uh because i'm white well now i'm talking in spanish and now you believe me and and we're gonna compare how one word is in spanish here and how one word is in spanish over there okay (laughs) and then all of a sudden she comes out with like this like why 
was it like why Maduro is just like Trump or what? Mm. Like, and it was this attempt at comedy for for the purposes of uh, igniting regime change in Venezuela. Yeah. <laughs> right. And it was like wouldn't wouldn't it be funny if I talked about how like how the CIA should definitely overthrow uh, <laughs> exactly how it would be right an and correct. <laughs> it would be like overthrow overthrowing Trump but in Venezuela. Yeah. It would be it, this would be a woke coup. <laughs> yeah, yes. It would it would be very woke. But like she's just one of these examples as soon as people are like, "Wait, who's your dad though?" <laughs> yeah. He's the dude who, like, financed Juan Guaido. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) It all comes crumbling down, and it... it, It's a weird coincidence, but who's... I don't know who Lin-Manuel Miranda's dad is. um, Lin-Manuel Miranda's dad, uh, funny that you ask, is Luis Miranda. He is... uh, Let's say his his resume... Like, a lot of this information that that we're going to talk about today comes from uh, an article called The Disaster Act, written by... I have it here. Um, written by uh, Shalene Rodriguez, Iris Dipina, and Comité por la Defensa Antillana. And honestly, like, if if it were up to me, I would just be, like, reading the article for the rest of the episode. <laughs> but I have some excerpts. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> I, I, I have some excerpts. Some of it is touching upon what we were talking about before. For example, like the current mass migration of Puerto Ricans into the U.S. surpasses the Puerto Rican Great Migration during the post-World War II years. The lack of economic prospect for Puerto Rican people induces migration and deliberately ignites speculation on Puerto Rican land, Mm -hmm. which are then wrestled from desperate hands at a bargain. Uh, Lin-Manuel's stardom was enough wasn't enough on its own to thrust him into the political arena his influence is also the effect of the calculated machinations of his very powerful lobbyist father Mm -hmm. new york political lobbyist luis miranda jr yeah they actually Miranda's resume Uh go for it yeah uh, i i it's just a little bit more just a little bit more reading and then we can keep keep talking um, his resume spans four decades in politics with many blurred lines between his service to the public and private sector. He was, he was Hispanic affairs advisor to Mayor Koch in the 80s, then appointed by Koch to the board of NYC Health and Hospital Corporation and later named chair by Mayor Giuliani in 1993. He is the founder. Oh, that must have been huge for him. <laughs> yeah, he is the founder of the nonprofit Hispanic Federation. Wait, hold up. I wonder if uh, I wonder if Lin Manuel Miranda considers uh, Rudy like Uncle Rudy. Like if they were friends. Like if they hung out. You know what I mean? I would hope so. Boy? I would hope that he Please. that the whole like resistance thing is just for show. And as soon as he sees Rudy, he's the owner of the Hispanic Foundation. Yeah, the Hispanic Federation. The Hispanic Federation and okay. co-founder of the lobbying firm, the Miram Group a self-described independent consulting firm designed to offer clients the benefit of their deep understanding of New York's political, corporate, labor, and nonprofit landscapes. He has managed the Senate campaigns of Charles Schumer, Hillary Rodham Clinton, Kristen Gillibrand, and boasts of being the lead consultant in the election of Letitia James as public advocate. Luis Miranda is also heavily involved in his son's career decisions, Partific- par- particularly as they relate to Lin-Manuel's political forays. 
And so, yes, we're talking about someone with extreme power and extreme levels of connections. Like when you see like uh, Lynn doing like a Hamilton recital at the White House, mm-hmm. this isn't just a like a natural come up. Yeah. Yeah. But they brand him like it's a natural come up because I remember pre hate for Lynn Manuel Miranda. I I didn't know him but people were like i know some friends of mine went like no but he always brings his place here at the we saw in the heights here and he's been working really hard on broadway for a long time and blah blah and i was like all right but he's also advocating for promesa actively and (laughs) uh if he's just Mm -hmm. for broadway why is he giving away hamilton tickets to congress people so that they'll vote on promesa (laughs) like i don't i didn't understand and then and and I also became very ambivalent. Like I do not care for him. Um, but then, in when he came uh, with the whole Maria business, and it was not just bringing Hamilton at a time where where resources were limited, and all of them had to be filtered to this event, um, because of course it it became a very hunger things get things uh, a very Hunger Games thing where you would have people in San Juan dressing up to see Hamilton while uh, other people. In the mountains and in 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 other municipalities, were you know looking for water, still without power, still without power, looking for water, and it was just a complete disconnect. And and add to that that they got into the the play was supposed to be this great revival for the uh, UPR, the University of Puerto Rico's theater, uh, which they mm-hmm. remodeled for the event, and then last minute they changed it to Bellas Artes, which had to change all of the logistics. They low key uh, blamed uh, the employees' union at the university for the change, but it was really just a behind the scenes shuffle uh, of government not wanting to give the UPR power because they hate the UPR. And then, and then you had all of this. Uh, come tour, Vega ba- Is he from Vega Baja? I forget where he's from. But um, come tour where Lin Manuel was born and raised in the summers, yeah. uh, and buy like the, the PR, shirts. The, the PR and, campaigns about his connection to the island. Yeah, yeah, and then he got the meeting with Walter Mercado, who gave him a cape. <laughs> yeah, because Walter Mercado. I'm sorry about my. One of Walter Mercado's magical capes. He got one. Yeah, he got one. I mean, when That's... yeah, don't you remember? <laughs> because um, when I am so sorry about my dogs. Um, when Le Manuel came over and he was doing Hamilton, and the newspaper started reporting that he had visited Walter Mercado, and Walter Mercado called him a son of Puerto Rico, and um, I am shaking my head. Gave him a cape, but then did you see the documentary in Netflix? Because they show that. Oh no! They I, show that. I, I haven't checked it out. I know I should. It's it's. Oh well, it's a, it's it's good. It's that. it's it's a good documentary. You know, it's fine. They gloss over the politics. I mean, apparently Walter Mercado. Did Netflix put out like an anti? Did Netflix put out an anti Lin Manuel Miranda? No, thing? no, no. no. Uh, they. Oh. It's a documentary about Walter Mercado, Puerto Rico's uh, premier psychic. He's like a, a, a oh, very okay. an icon. yeah androgynous. Uh, kind of sexual and he gave he gave him and Miranda. yeah he gave yes. because he used to wear these elaborate capes kind of like liberace and he gave him a cape and <laughs> and at that time you say what is going on but then when you think about it a little bit it was all part of of the media tour of branding him very much of puerto rico and you know yeah, you the go, son of puerto, son of puerto rico. rico and he gets a cape oh, i and, just saw the cape the uh-huh, and then when you watch the walter mercado documentary there's a whole 
space for that because they were documenting it as well and you see his dad right next to him and and and, and for like a brief second you can see the Lin-Manuel is kind of like a little bit I don't know who this guy is uh, because I'm a much younger it's like, it's like meeting it's like meeting uh, your parents uncle randomly yeah, in a family yeah, yeah, reunion yeah, yeah, yeah. they're like oh look there's your parents uncle and you're, you're just like and then he gets a cape okay. and there's all this business and, and at the moment I just ticked it off like whatever where did we go but then it's in the documentary and it's part it's all part of a, of the show that they put on when they they brought Hamilton here and and I know that they raised a lot of money and I know that money was put to somewhat of a good use but that doesn't mean that you don't get to see his media tour for what it was he did raise some money mm -hmm. sure But was it absolutely necessary to do Hamilton here? No. Was it absolutely necessary to to do <laughs> his shirt, his t-shirt business, and to brand himself as a, a child of the soil, of of the toiling the soil, and yeah. <laughs> and all of these things? No, yeah. it wasn't necessary. They got they got more money and more more cred out of the situation that than charities got from their money. So. Where yeah, that's the that's the thing for me as a Mexican American. Like, you know, I I grew up probably you know as as Mexican as Lin Manuel Miranda grew up Puerto Rican, right? Like, uh, the only difference is I didn't have a father that was like a lobbyist that was like you know, uh, slitting the throat of like progressive <laughs> candidates in New York. Apparently, essentially, yes. I just well, I just read it. I was like, wait a minute, because he if he backed Letitia James for uh advocate is that what namiki Kans was running for and it's like okay no she was she would have replaced her and that means he uh stabbed uh zephyr teach out in the back i was just wondering i was like who's back that got stabbed mm. in that but anyways that's who that's who's back but you know i would never like if i if in theory i became very successful i would never claim to be from you know uh hermosillo mm -hmm. Or Teocuitatlan, which is where my my grandfather of Alisco, like where I would never claim to be from that place. I'm from the 209. I'm from Stockton, California. It's okay to not, you know, to have that like sort of culture and have the sort of a respect for it and understanding of it and not like say of the soil. Like it would be wild to do that kind of yeah, shit. Yeah, and, and to, to then go over it's, there, it's fake. to then go over there and make money off of them. Yeah, because to me, that's the problem. <laughs> right. you, you can, of course, and we'll probably get into it later, like genuine diaspora wanting to connect to their roots mm -hmm. and to their history, of course. But if you come, it's yeah, exactly. But if they're, he, they obviously came here to exploit. Uh, and, and because right. of what we were talking about, actually, what we were talking about earlier in the episode where, where I mentioned that we have this kind of low self-esteem as a country and you see this, this boy who I call him a boy because I think he's short. He's probably very tall than me. You see this man. No, he's super, he's super <laughs> we're, we're, small, right? He's a he's tiny, a tiny we, being. We claim anybody. Yeah, we claim anybody, but we see this person and they, and, <laughs> and he says, no, he's from Puerto Rico. He spent the summers here. He wrote in the Heights. He's, uh, he also, he also has a connection to the Puerto Rican diaspora in New York, which is, uh, the most mm -hmm. visible one, I think, because we usually yes. don't think Chicago or Florida. We, we usually go for New York. But, so like Chicago, those Mexicans are far more Mexican than California Mexicans because they're farther away. 
I love Chicago Mexicans. Those are the most Mexican <laughs> motherfuckers you'll ever meet. I love that shit. Like when you go and get a real taste. There, whenever I go there, they treat me like a fucking king because I'm the only comic artist that's like very Mexican like that. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I do so well there. I love, shout out to all my Chicago Mexicans. You're the greatest. <laughs> Chicago is so beautiful though. But yeah, but usually when and we I talk about. there is like a Chicago scene uh, of. Of Puerto Ricans. Yes. Well, there's a whole well. avenue there. The, apparently the Puerto Rican day parade was there too. And it was cool. Yeah. I'm telling you, it's Mexicans But But there's, but there's definitely. But I, I'm sure there's a few. There's definitely. Sure, a, they're not sending um, their best people though. A New Yorican. Uh, thing like New Yorican is a thing the, in a way that Chicago Rican is. Yeah, exactly. In a well, way it that doesn't Florida roll off Rican the isn't. <laughs> so I, there's a perfect transition here where we're talking about New Yorkans, talking about Lin Manuel Miranda, talking about like this dying need for diaspora. But before, like, because I want to talk about the comic that you made me read. But before we do that, Nescafe. Yeah. Yes. Um, what is this? If you want, I can also read a little bit of the excerpt on Nescafe. But like, I, 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 I found out when I was, you know, uh, Facebook, Facebook, the the way that we love claiming everyone, like we'll see posts on Facebook. It's like, oh my God, Limano Miranda and George Clooney are in Puerto Rico. Yeah. Oh my God. And so everyone got excited. Everyone was sharing like, oh, they're making coffee. Clooney, Puerto Rican. That's my. That's why didn't he go there with J Lo for out of sight? J Lo, J Lo would have set him straight. He's because like, George Clooney was already then? the Nescafe <laughs> spokesperson. He's been hawking those uh, those machines for a while, I think. Yeah. Oh, okay. So Clooney comes down and they do a whole video, a whole promotional video about how they're going to revitalize coffee in Puerto Rico. We don't need revitalization. Which is exactly what, what like what Rosa's about to say is like <laughs> that's one of the most insulting things uh to say about Puerto Rico that you would think that we need revitalizing. <laughs> please. Like that and is in our, the coffee that too, is our like, thing. Please, sir, step away. Well, it's no Colombia. That's what people are saying. But mm-mm, mm-mm. no, <laughs> like we know that for for couple for a couple of years, maybe a hundred years ago, the Pope was getting coffee directly from Jauco. Yeah, we have this good is, coffee. This is In a Columbia? randomly repeated fact <laughs> that we will say over yes. and over because we just like it. Yes, and we used to export a lot of the coffee too. Like, um, I don't know if you if you heard the the latest uh, secretaries for, but the Secretary of Agricultural. Our, the new secretary for agriculture is actually a farmer and in his speech mm. he did mm-hmm. say like you know uh 10 15 years ago if you were in italy and you were sipping coffee you were probably drinking coffee from puerto rico uh because we used we love to export that. we love that. bragging about that yeah our coffee's the best but uh so in comes george clooney with Limar miranda and they are saying that like the face of it is that they are revitalizing the coffee industry they are uh helping farmers grow uh their their specific strain of coffee and uh the reality is that they were buying up this land uh with nestle money we're talking about nestle Mm -hmm. we're talking about the fucking um (laughs) the water stealers uh, abomination (laughs) the earth the the abomination of the earth that is nestle um and they are doing it in their name to uh, purchase so so much land. And if if you will allow me, I can I can read a little bit more of the context from again from Disaster Act. Like yep. of the many negotiations that are presented as relief work, the corporate takeover of the coffee industry in historically coffee cultivating towns such as Adjuntas and Hayuya 
presents the best example of how disaster capitalism facilitates punitive austerity measures and instrumentalizes arts and culture to present a progressive political facade for such measures. In 2018, yeah. Lin-Manuel Miranda became the public face of multi-million dollar of a multi-million dollar five-year coffee industry relief effort launched and organized by his father. The funding for oh, this wow. massive buyout would come from the Hispanic Federation, founded by Miranda's father and Nespresso, who would each invest $1 million. Starbucks would kick another 475000 and donate 2 million climate-resistant seeds. The Rockefeller Foundation provided another 500000 and international nonprofit TechnoServe was chosen to administer the project. My question is, who was in charge of providing the small children for these globalists <laughs> to fuck on that island? This is this is probably because Epstein's They'll in prison. They'll fly them so in. Do they they won't have Puerto Rican children pick the coffee beans. <laughs> this like they they are probably doing this investment and charging in children. <laughs> exactly. Just, just pay me five. Nothing like a fresh cup of Nestle coffee and freshly squeezed Puerto Rican adrenochrome. <laughs> And and, Essentially, and all of that yes. is happening with a lot of tax exemptions. That so that's why they come here to do it. So you have all of these people yeah, chipping right. in millions of dollars, and nobody's gonna see that money in tax money. And then they'll hire maybe ten percent of Puerto Ricans in the area, so they'll get more tax yeah, exemptions. They'll hire the, and they'll hire the previous owners of that yeah. land and pay them. Pittance. Which is part for the course here, right? That's right. how they got the sugarcane yes. industry. That's how they got everything. Just starve the farmers long enough so you can buy their land on the cheap and then hire them as, as management or workers. It's insane. It's insane that that's just like the, the repeated story of history. But like, yeah, now because of the sort of like increased climate change, it just makes all this shit like there's mm -hmm. more disasters and then there's more opportunity for people uh, you know, capitalists uh, to come in and the aftermath and just like soak it dry. Like, you know, you don't have to look far. Like we're like America uh, for listeners in the States, you know, look at the pandemic, look at how uh, fucking, you know, Bezos and, and, mm -hmm. you know, all these, mm -hmm. all these fucking guys are getting just insanely wealthy while, you know, the, um, what is it like? I just saw that the, the, the place that delivers groceries to people, they're like, oh, we have to cut like 185 jobs or something. Like we we're doing like you know wild and the whole uh, yeah and the whole reduction. law that says that they're not employees, so they can't have the same benefits mm -hmm. as they're they're just independent uh, independent workers or something. They're not. Uh. Yeah, and when, and you know it's it's just like the the rich get richer, the poor get poor, and because there's no united working class it makes it easier for, for that shit to take place. And so, you know, it's it, what's the saddest, the most disgusting thing about the lemon wealth thing specifically is like, they're doing it under the guise of like, look at this great guy. Look at this woke guy. Look at this, you know, the, isn't America beautiful that this, this guy from Puerto Rico could come and do all these great things for his country or his, uh, his Island after, after mm -hmm. he made it big in, broadway and it's like no it's just a lie yes. yeah <laughs> it's like yeah. this is not what's happening he's making the lives of the people worse on the island he's him his father and the people whose benefits they serve they're getting wealthy 
George Clooney's in the mix. <laughs> yeah, no, he's, he's, he's getting he's in out the mix. He's doing what George Clooney does. He's just there being handsome. He's an <laughs> asshole too, I guess. I bet he's got he, that deep voice. I bet he can he, sell anything. I bet he hasn't thought about this one second more than that paycheck. Like, yeah, whatever. What do you want me to do? Talk about coffee <laughs> no. with Lin Manuel? Yeah, sure. Yeah, like sure, the reality is that he probably believes he's doing some good. I don't. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Hundred percent. I don't know. I think I don't they know don't if think George about Clooney it is that deeply. Enough. I ju- they just yeah. feel like, well, I don't know about this country. Yeah. They just told me to talk about coffee. But. Ramon, you made the comparison to how uh, people in the States are seeing these things as well. And yes, the, the, the truth is that like Puerto Rico is a hyper-capitalist canary in the coal mine for what you will expect. Mm-hmm. Like what you yeah. will see in the States soon. Um, the way that um, protests are, are, are stamped out is is... Uh, very similar uh, to the the repression that we started seeing. I say we as in Puerto Rico because I wasn't on, on the ground uh, during the protest, but uh, uh, police after like police would declare that after 11 p.m. there was like a curfew, and and as soon as 11 p.m. hit, it was like no more rules anymore. They could they could just go mm. off, um, and maybe I'm going I'm. I'm going off into a tangent because um, this this idea that we we are a reflection of what what is happening in the states came up. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I, I also think that Hawaii is I mean, is also the canary. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, Hawaii is yeah. Hawaii is where we're going, and I and I wanted to bring it up when when we were talking about statehood, but we're like getting. When, when you hear the indigenous population of Hawaii talk about statehood, I could feel that in my bones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It's kind of um, crazy, right? Because uh, when people talk about statehood here, they, they've gone the... Ten- what's that law? The Tennessee something, something, whatever. But they also mention Hawaii. Like, well, Hawaii did it. And the people who are pro-statehood are going, well, Hawaii did it. And the people who are not pro-statehood are going, but look at Hawaii, though. <laughs> and, <laughs> right. Yeah, The yeah. best example of the, of the how it could go wrong is the one that yeah. they're saying, like, why they but should look do it at in it. the first place. Uh, yes. And I think we have a lot. And I think it's on purpose that we don't communicate. Like, they do want to keep everybody separate so they don't share information. But. It seems to me that looking towards Hawaii and the problems they've been having with farming, with climate change, with people buying out land from indigenous people and then claiming the country, you know, like like uh, having white yeah, white settlers, basically white settlers going like, yeah, this is my country, too. And I want to get in on the laws and I want to get in, into this and that and and uh, hearing stuff like, well, you know, Hawaii got it to be a state because enough white people moved there that we. <laughs> We couldn't ignore mm-hmm. it anymore. And you think about how they yep. sell the land here and they want a lot of uh, a lot of uh, people, white people to move over for that purpose, too. Just like if. Yes, it's crazy. We should be talking more to Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The uh, well, it's funny, too, because you think about like other colonies like, you know, Guam or whatever and how like does the U.S. really will take those islands, American Samoa, use mm-hmm. them. America Samoa, they'll take those islands, just drain them of resources, use them for whatever purposes. And then remember when like North Korea and and Trump and them were like just 
threatening nuclear war. Mm -hmm. And the first people that were like under fire was like, oh, Guam. It's like, you must imagine being in Guam, being like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What did I do? Why are you? Why is? Why uh, am I getting I, into this shit? I read like this really heartbreaking comment. I think it was on Twitter, and they they were talking about uh, the latest push for Puerto Rican statehood. And the first comment on Twitter was somebody from the U.S. Virgin Islands saying, "Well, what's gonna happen to us? Are we gonna become part of Puerto Rico, and we'll be their English-speaking municipalities, or are we going to like what's going on?" And I just, and it made me so sad. Uh, to think that none of these little countries around us get to be anything other than uh, mm-hmm. part of another colony. Mm-hmm. And, and it's yeah. right. They usually talk about Washington and they talk about Puerto Rico. They don't give a shit about anybody else. And the U.S. Virgin Islands is right there beside us. And we can't even communicate properly to yeah. to become They have bond. U.S. on the name. <laughs> exactly. It's like we can't even bond with them. And, they, and they're like adrift and... And it's crazy. Well, it's crazy that we can't even travel from island yeah. to island without. When it would you want to talk to Dominicans though? If you yes, yeah, yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the the idea, the yeah, ideal yeah. situation is sort shout of like out, an Antillian, an Antillian federation. That would be so cool. Because they like have an federation, a, a, an Antillian nation, but also, it's cool. <laughs> um, but uh. I think uh, it, this is a joke I might have said with, with Ramon a couple times before, but with Guam and American Samoa, nobody cares because they don't have a Bad Bunny or a J-Lo or like they don't have the people. Uh, J Balvin, I think. No, is, is J Balvin from American Samoa? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. no. Oh, no. J Balvin is. Back. He's Colombian, I think. Where's J Balvin from? <laughs> he's Colombian, right? Nobody claims J Balvin. Nobody. Nobody claims nobody it. Claims no. Oh, that man is nobody's, oh, he's yeah. Colombian. Yeah. He's Colombian. But it was so wild, mm-hmm. by the way. So, like in the late '90s, when like Latinx music started becoming like a thing, you yeah. know, like you had J Lo, Christina Aguilera Ricky had a Iglesias, Spanish album, Ricky Martin. Uh, like you had the like those were the main three, and then you would have like the random ones off to the side. Like none of them were Mexican, but because I was, me- I'm like, oh yeah, they're pretty much all. Like, <laughs> But so did like everybody else. Like J Lo was the star of so many Mexican, like in so many Mexican roles. So like I do this thing. Uh, are you are you familiar with Allison yes. Betchel? Um, yes. Rosa, you know how she got that Betchel test, and then she got the grant because like her cartooning meant so much, and mm-hmm. you know whatever, whatever. I was like, yo, I want a grant. <laughs> I want a genius, a MacArthur Genius Grant. So I started the Via Lovos test, which is just. If a thing has a Mexican in it, it passes the test. <laughs> and people will be like, what about somebody else? Like, what about, Oof. you know, like a Colombian? It's like, no. What about a, no. you know, Chilean? What about a Mexican you know, like they played to get by? I like that test. No. But J-Lo, I said, she gets the pass because she was the mother in Mi Familia. She was Selena. She was all these different Mexican roles before she became puerto rican really fully that when she when she (laughs) blossomed as jenny from the block yeah before we knew her as jenny from the block we thought she was a mexican jennifer lopez we didn't know that that lopez was puerto rican so like i have i had that test and so like you know sometimes a show or a movie will come out it's just like buzzing real hard and i was like is there any mexicans in it because if not (laughs) i just don't care i don't have time for it that's a great test yeah 
But yeah, like so. But like when I was younger, like Enrique Iglesias, he would be in like Once Upon a Time in Mexico, mm-hmm. right? And he's not; he's Spanish. Ah. <laughs> so like being being Mexican or being lat- lat- Latino in any like even in Antonio any Banderas, capacity, he's Spanish too. Yeah. In yeah, in any capacity, being Latino, Latina, is just like sort of accepting that I'm gonna be comrades with somebody from Puerto Rico. You know, hopefully no Cubans, but definitely <laughs> Colombian. Yeah. <laughs> I try to... It's um, kind of crazy how how we are tied together because we speak Spanish, even though we each of us speak a very different version of Spanish. But at the same time, we don't have any power behind our connection. It's just like, yeah, we hang out, we have some musicians, we have some actors together. But making a federation, making connections, we are literally cut off from each other uh, just so uh, because that's how the lines were drawn uh, then. And then we've we've been uh, trained to think that, oh, no, those people are are crazy over there. Look at them with their uh, socialism or, oh, no, those people are crazy over there. Look at look at all the problems they're having because they have dictators and and yeah cuba's having a great time during the pandemic they their biggest problem right now is that they don't have enough sick people to test their <laughs> vaccines on <laughs> but they're but they're the cut they're the villainized the country benefits over of here an embargo too. right you don't get enough tourists to come bring you covid mm-hmm. one of my favorite movies when i was growing up uh, my mom had us watch it all the time was a, a movie called i like it like that did you ever see that no no I only Sounds know the familiar. Celia Cruz song or the Cardi B song. Yeah, so I like it like that is a movie about Puerto Ricans. It's it's a movie that was directed by what's, what's, what's their name? Darnell Darnell Martin, who was one of Spike Lee's friends, and so like Spike Lee was making like all these movies about like sort of the black experience in New York in like you know late eighties, early nineties, and then oh my god, I've never seen this. His friend Darnell Martin made one about like really about like the Puerto Rican experience. And it had all these things that were like, you know, similar, like the, like the Santeria kind of shit. And like, you know, like, uh, like real, like, uh, one of the, the main character, her, her sister is, is trans. She's a trans woman. And like, just that kind of shit was just ingrained to me as a kid. So that, you know, I felt like when I grew up, it wasn't that unusual that somebody would just not identify as the gender they were born in. And just, like, because I saw it when it was seated as, like, a child. And also, like, I grew up with, like, you know, gay uncles and shit. And it just seemed super normal. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it was, it is it is a different sort of culture. But, uh, yeah, I recommend that movie, I'm totally going to watch that. You know why? Because... I will check it out, um, yeah. Yeah, it stars stars Lauren uh, Velez and John Cena. She's Miles' mom, right? Miles Morales' mom in Into the Spider-Verse? In what? Oh, like the voice? Oh, maybe I don't. I never seen <gasps> the Spider Verse. This is a this is a a, a cool zone. This podcast <laughs> is a cool zone, and we don't watch like normie. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, I'm normie, normie stuff that people enjoy. She, she was she was Miles Morales' this mom. A, That's actually a great. Yeah, yeah, they went. No, but check out. I like it well, like that. I, it's, I'm. It's red, it, but I always thought. My my point was, I always thought they oh. were Mexican. Mm. Yes, this is how I was, I was like. They must be because they're all like mm. you know. Ramon. When you were when you were a kid, you were doing the same thing I was when I was like listening to like Carlos Santana, and just from his name, I was like, wow, this Puerto Rican can really play. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Also, uh, it has uh, Jesse Borrego. He plays the trans sister, um, but uh, he was he's Mexican 
and he was in a Blood and Blood Out oh. classic blood you know movie. One of my all-time favorites. We're going to have to do like a well, cultural yeah, yeah, exchange yeah. So, like, where thank we you. watch Blood In, Blood Out. Cool. I mean, thank you for the recommendation oh. because um, if we're, I recently watched Do the Right Thing again for my podcast and I was... Um, oh, yeah? I, I, I couldn't believe that Spike Lee had added so much Puerto Rican-ness to that story because I, I remembered only... Uh, black representation um, but he kind of opens with a piragua being sold on the street mm -hmm. and all that stuff and that made me watch his uh, Puerto Rican episode in She's Gotta Have It the Netflix series oh right and, like I didn't watch the series I just watched that episode and it was such a loving tribute to Afro Latinx this, uh, is, this is how egotistical Puerto Ricans are. We're like, we're not watching your show. Yeah, I'm we're sorry. Watching, tell me the Puerto Rico episode. Tell me well, which episode well, it that's is. That's exactly what I did. I was like, I'm sorry. I'm not going to watch three seasons of this just for one episode. That's super real because I have a friend who's Asian that's like, oh, you got to watch Warrior. It's so good. You'd love Warrior, the, the Bruce Lee kind of-ish show. <laughs> and I'm like, are there any Mexicans in it? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like well they go to mexico in one episode I'm like, oh i'll watch that one yeah. episode <laughs> i know right it's I like there's so much Bruce content Lee. and stuff to watch i really don't have time to see a whole lot <laughs> like is, is there i've watched one episode of mandalorian you want to guess which one yeah. it was the one directed by robert rodriguez <laughs> of course that's it that's the only one i watch why would i watch it's the only the thing that one? matters oh, that oh, is yeah. the that but, is the way to watch tv and stuff right now really <laughs> <laughs> but um, speaking of speaking of uh you know culture vultures, speaking of new yorkians new yorkians speaking of like new yorkian culture um and culture vulturing and mirandas and just this this sort of like uh disaster capitalism uh economic model of of profiting off whenever there's like some kind of a uh, crisis yeah well thank you for the transition remote we like <laughs> I, I wanted to talk about uh comics's own uh miranda yes uh, were you gonna say something rosa no i was just gonna sum up something from before but you go right ahead it was a good segue oh, no, 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 no 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 uh sure no okay keep going keep well, going it's fine it's fine yeah we're we're we, uh, this is a comics podcast yes and uh and at an hour ish <laughs> uh, or a little bit more uh we're, we're, we we wanted to talk about a, a comic, a comic creator, uh, or a businessman, a comics businessman. Yeah. His name is Edgardo Miranda um, Rodriguez. Mm. He, um, if if you don't know, uh, Ramon. No, go ahead. If you don't know who he is, well, consider yourself blessed. <laughs> but he's. Someone who has been making, if you live in Puerto Rico, you might know more about who he is because I think so. Whenever I think any, it's a bubble what he has. Yeah. Whenever, whenever any kind of Puerto Rico hits the news, we just eat it up. We eat it up without any kind of the same way we love Hamilton without any kind <laughs> of a critical eye. It's just, there's a Puerto Rico in there. Okay, cool. We'll, we'll, like, and Edgardo Miranda Rodriguez uh, made a name for himself Puerto Ricanizing stuff in a, in a way that always left a poor taste in my mouth. Uh, Rosa, do you want to, is there, 
Anything you want to say, say now? Uh, no, uh, keep going because I have more thoughts okay. for later. <laughs> yeah. Um. And what where I wanted to examine uh, his his comic work is a little bit more about La Borinquena, but I did want to take uh, a moment to look at uh, Guardians of Infinity uh, or Guardians of the Galaxy Infinity. I always forget. Yeah. Guardians of the Infinite. Something, something, uh, Guardians. Yes. One of those Some where where Edgardo Miranda made news for his uh, Puerto Ricanization of of Groot. Sure. Mm-hmm. And and do you guys want to talk about the the story of the book itself, or well, I want to bring uh, up one thing? I was very confused by the story. I want to bring up one thing. This is a 2016 comic, right? Yes. Yes. Now I just brought up that I created the Villalobos test. Uh, like years ago to, so that I could get my beak wet on the identity politics. Mm, um, mm-hmm. And in 2014, I said on Twitter, you could look it up. I said, Groot possesses a warrior me- spirit and rustic nobility that defines the Mexican American community. Groot's blatant Mex- Mexicanity reaffirms this in six of seven. I think I was doing a bit. But it, anyways, I said, fuck it. Groot is brown. Vin Diesel is Mexican, I think, in the Fast and the Furious movies. So I'm thinking Groot is honorary Mexican. Villalobos test passed. I was giving them, I was throwing them a bone. This was 2014. I was out here saying Groot is Mexican. Uh, like somebody Two said. Two years later. Did you start a campaign? Somebody then? said, uh, somebody said that there was no Mexicans in, or there were no arboreal Americans or something in Avengers. And I said, oh, Groot is Mexican. He's arboreal Mexican-American. Um, so, like, you know, I've been... Basically, my point is, I have been saying that Groot is Mexican. So, imagine nope. me, two years later, I see Twitter, people, New Yorkans, <laughs> I would say worldwide, but just in New York, celebrating this monumental achievement of, oh my god, Groot is Puerto Rican. I was disgusted. First of all, culture vulture, okay? <laughs> Second of all, all Latinx is not the same, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the, the kind of tree that Groot is does not look like like the the tree that they're trying to sell no. in my in this in my, book. In my week-long descent into Puerto Rican cringe that Daniel sent me on, one thing I will note about Puerto Ricans, beautiful skin generally. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this craggly you know, faced bark skin. That is a Danny Trejo looking yeah. motherfucking yes. tree. So our trees why- are just as smooth <laughs> as, our, as our beautiful faces over here. They look like they've all been sanded. Yeah. By the wind. So if by the beautiful sun, <laughs> by the beautiful sun so, and wind. So the bountiful sun, <laughs> it, so- it, it keeps us, it keeps us uh, smooth and mo- moisturized, but yes, no, I'm looking at Groot right now and that's Danny Trejo. Yeah. So the book starts at well, it's it's like half of an issue or something. Yeah, this a, is like a short story. This is it. It feels like like somebody gave a DMC like Daryl Mc. I forget his actual name. The the Run DMC guy. Yeah, DMC uh, Daryl. Yeah, Daryl. They're they're giving him like a little short story to just have some fun, and they decided to put it here. Well, for so some what happened? Reason. The reason and why is. The reason why, because I did some reading, mm-hmm. um, unlike Daniel, I do a little bit of research before this. Thing, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
basically it said that because DMC was doing his other book, the Daryl yeah. Mix comics thing with that him, they had pitched, I think Marvel between them somehow they had pitched it to, uh, them to do some sort of character that they don't name, but they say that they had a very ambitious, like five issue, six issue series or whatever. And then Marvel was like, what about you do instead <laughs> a, a Marvel team up? And he said like Daryl immediately was like grim and Groot. And like, it was an iconic thing. And I'm just like, I mean, first of all, it's not iconic, but yeah, um, no, no. I mean, that's, so that's what it was, was they were going to do a mini series and it got, it got it got what? cut down to like 16 pages got... they were like how about instead of a mini series you do 16 pages of Groot and Grimm um and it was they had they were doing backups in a few in a bunch of these guardians of the infinity thing mm. so that's that was the the reasoning why but it sounded like in, in another video i watched of that guy uh Miranda too um <laughs> that he he just sort of like would call the editors and like i think just use his dmc connections to like talk, straight up like to just badger joe casada who's like joe casada you're mexican right or you're cuban this is yeah. something uh he, and then he like, he's Alonso, constantly... you're that too, right yeah I th- and you know mm-hmm. yeah. yeah oh i was gonna say i think like axel is a guy who would be definitely uh interested in hearing new voices and stuff like he, ge- he generally is that guy so I don't know mm-hmm. if this was during yeah this is when Axel was in charge so like you know I'm sure it was it was definitely coming from a, a good place of just yeah, like a- yeah there should be more different kind of voices in these comics fuck it make group Puerto Rican so that in and of itself I'm not against it the presentation let's get into it <laughs> well I think one of the questions that I that I came up uh when I started making when I started pitching the nib comics and and writing the uh writing for political comics for other people was like who am i writing this for and what am i looking what what does this representation mean really so in this issue uh we we get a whole page explanation that was the transition was a little bit jarring uh from from the rest of the story and we have all of this explanation about Groot being a saber tree and and having the spirit of ancestors and stuff like that and it's trying to bring something of puerto rican culture but it's not it's not for puerto rican people or and it's using yeah, language that is, we don't use the, uh-huh uh, sorry you can continue your, your sentence i'm i'm just a, a terrible interrupter i uh, know go for you it i this. interrupt them i i also um, interrupt but <laughs> Maybe it's a Puerto Rican thing, Ramon, because uh, Rosa <laughs> over here is I'm, I'm getting I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying the conversation because we know we just know instinctively to talk over each other. Sure, sure. I'm going to enjoy <laughs> it too. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the, this this comic like reeks of uh, fantasy Puerto Rico, like the New Yorkian fantasy of what Puerto Rico is. I don't know. And. Go for it. Um, like what? 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 I what I mean is, once we finally get to, because this is also like a co-written yeah. project where you have a DMC, um, working with Edgardo, who is just trying to get Marvel work off DMC's back. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it it you can tell what 
you can tell what, what Daryl is writing, and you can tell what Egaldo is writing. Because <laughs> yes. as soon as you see, like, Ben Grimm decked out in a full Run DMC outfit. Mm-hmm. Insane. Um, rapping and rhyming. He's For like, some he's... reason, they decided <laughs> that, that the thing to bar out in this comic. And the he whole time. Nuts. I the whole t- I didn't know it was written by because I did I just skipped the credits I just started reading what you told me to read mm-hmm. and the whole time I was like oh my god this is uncomfortable like why is the thing doing a a v e like this is mm-hmm. wild yeah that this he's man is out G. here throwing around y'alls he's saying mm-hmm. the crazy he's the he's saying the wildest shit and like imagine if the thing from the sixties keep it a hundred decided, <laughs> decided like you know what. I'm going to one day. I'm just going to go perform like just sort of like a weird what? Oh my god! There's so much in this thing, but <laughs> if one of the days he decides, you know what? I'm going to go out into the streets dressed like Run DMC. If like mm-hmm. John Byrne was writing it, how uncomfortable that would be. You know what this comic it, reminded me? Mm-hmm. Uh, it reminded me of the of the Tom Beeland Marvel written. Uh, series yes. for the Spider-Man thing, which I think is also, I think it goes with the theme. I don't, I, yeah, I think culture vulture sounds very mean <laughs> to me, but um, there is something of this guy coming to live in, to Puerto Rico and then using Puerto Rico to to launch uh, more of a career in in comics that they have a little bit in, in common. Uh, yeah, at some point, I feel like we should do a a, a follow up episode after Ramon can like decompress <laughs> from all the Puerto Ricanness, and we can touch like Isla de la Muerte, yeah. which is like the Fantastic Four comic, and then there was the Spider Man sequel. And right? well, it was meant to be a Spider Man four part, uh, like no wait, there was supposed to be a Fantastic Four visit Puerto Rico, and it was supposed to be four issues. And mm-hmm. um, they cut it down to three. Uh, yeah, Marvel's like nobody cares. Yeah, uh, but it was uh, it, the thing. I think it made more of an impact here than yeah. La Borinquena and and Groot because uh, the person lived here. Tom Beeland, uh lived mm-hmm. here, and there was a lot of press. Tom Beeland is somehow more of a Puerto Rican than Egaldo Miranda. He was certainly more into the the scene, the Puerto Rican scene, and and had mm-hmm. made a career of analyzing Puerto Rico from a U.S. a white person's perspective, mm-hmm. basically. But we didn't have that language when he was here. Yeah, no, it was it was like late or like mid two thousands. We were just happy to have something yeah, at that point, but we weren't really thinking about why he was the one who was getting that job. Yeah, it is um, funny though, because like it definitely was a thing where like, you know, if in the '90s the guy the guy who directed Blood and Blood Out, white guy, able to make mm-hmm. that Mexicans love that movie. But if you do that kind of thing now, it's like, wait a minute, how come the director mm-hmm. isn't Mexican? How come this person down the line, everybody involved better be fucking authentic, otherwise it's fucked up. And now what you get is you get people that are like, okay, well I can get that job if I just brand myself as authentically that thing. So here I am and here's this like very like sort of artificial feeling looking thing. And I, it's something that I did. uh, So um, Russell, I don't know how much you know of of, like what I've, what I, what I've worked on, but I did a book called border town a few years ago 
and it was about like you know Latinx stuff and the writer got me too'd and it got canceled and everything. Yep. Yeah, it was a, it was genuinely yes. <laughs> uh, a sad sad for Ramon. Uh, completely justified for the well, you know that's that's what from them again. in these situations people hardly hardly think about what happens. The repercussions of their actions actually extend to other people. Mm-hmm. Right, but so mm-hmm. but my what I was going to bring up about that was the writer Eric. He leading up to it wanted every single element of it to be sort some sort of reflection or statement about like Latino identity. And I'm like, dude, listen, first of all. Like, I'm not trying to say that you're not, like, Latino. You are, but you were raised by a white mom uh, in, you know, in Arizona and, like, the Midwest. Like, I grew up, I lived in a Mexican community. Like, I trust me, they'll get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, there's like, no need to force it like, when you're, you're drawing it. Yeah, like, I get that th- this book you want to be a statement about, like, you know, some sort of Latin American identity. And that's fine. But he was, like, getting mad about the logo not feeling Mexican. Mm. I'm like, bro, it's a logo. Like, who gives a fuck? Like, it, the, the book the book is going to be the most Mexican thing that has ever, like, existed. And you're talking about, like, all oh, the logos Didn't that book have, have a like, chupacabra in it? He wanted, like, the logo to have a sugar skull in it and have, like, like cholo, like, swoops and all this extra bullshit. And I'm just like, dude, just have it say born. he's basically to... white. What? And he's basically, like, white almost. I mean, he... Like in like physically, his skin color is super white. But you know, <laughs> like that's not how you judge people based on yeah, their, yeah, you know, yes. But that like, but you know, he was like he was super. You know, I, I think he was he told me as much. And the character in the book is insecure about their like pale skin being a reflection of their identity. But so like like when we when we put that book out, when they send it to people, they send it with a jar of salsa and uh, what. Like, like legit, they sent, they sent me one just because of the, you know, they sent it with like a jar of salsa and like corn, uh, like, uh, tortilla chips wow. and, uh, a, a luchador mask. Oh the, my God. Uh, and it was like, that's what, that's how they presented it because he asked them if it would be possible to send people a jar of salsa with the, with the book logo on it. Wow. Jesus Christ. And then after after the whole thing ended, he he went out on Twitter and started saying some wild shit about they made me a token. They just wanted me because I was a div- mm. you know Latin American Latinx creator, and I do I refuse to be anybody's puppet. And I'm like, bro, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like me and Tamara, uh, who's the colorist, my friend, she we looked up our emails. Like, is that what happened? And it was like, no, that's not what happened. This motherfucker was like. Oh my God, I'm so glad you, you listened to my suggestion and sent out these jars of salsa. This is so great. Blah, blah, blah. So we're like, you know, there, it, people weaponize their identity. Yeah. And they use it as a, a marketing gimmick and it's super clear when they do it. And it's super clear when it's just part of who somebody is. When I draw something, that's just a reflection of how I was raised, the aesthetics that I was brought up with. Mm-hmm. When you guys draw things and make comics about things that are that, it's so much different and it's so much more pure and authentic than when we see, you know, somebody who's the, like, the oh people my God. who are the the people who are basically scavenging and and doing everything they can for 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 these jobs. 
Like in this in this comic, mm-hmm. there's a there's a character named Abuela Estrella or some <laughs> shit like that. Uh huh. Uh huh. And oh, Abuela Estelle, 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 or whatever. The kid's and, name Kian, which is no Puerto Rican child is named this. For the record, <laughs> I, I need to say um, this now. I mean, and she starts just like talking about these fucking trees. It's very that jarring. Are, like, you know some. And, but it's like it reads like a Wikipedia article. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. One hundred percent. It reads like it reads like Ed Piscor talking about I don't run DMC. <laughs> Abs- yeah no it is absolutely the the most bare uh minimum information that you can get and not like even just some of the like the the spirit like the spirit of the taino that are yeah, trapped we don't talk in the like, that. like that's made up yeah that's, that's, made up. Like, that, that's that's not even information not even or myth shit. or lore or anything like that but then like um, there's no people who believe that here yeah I mean, I mean, it's it's kind of crazy to think because also this whole thing about cannibalizing your culture and make it marketable so you stand out. I think it's it's very much of this this industry in the U.S. Um, that needs that that is all of a sudden asking for this authenticity, and then yeah. you were just this guy from New York, and all of a sudden you you notice that you're the only one who's Puerto Rican in your company, so you so you decide to to push that further because I started hearing about Edgardo uh, Miranda Rodriguez when he did this comic, but on Twitter, but he was actually making kind of like a little like he had his uh, Cafe con Comics conferences where he would invite his friends. They mm-hmm. were all male, all uh, Latinx or Puerto Rican, and they would talk about being in the comics industry and being in this and being in that because they stood out, right? So that's how they start marketing this thing. Uh, um, and then this whole, the whole idea that in the comics industry, Latinx comics or Latinx artists are diaspora because nobody talks about Argentinian comics or Chilean yeah. comics mm-hmm. or stuff like that. So you have... Uh, everything is very much defined by what the U.S. decides to 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 read as Latinx or not Latinx, and and then this guy starts pushing his, uh, Puerto Rican culture, and it kind of it kind of works for him, but he it didn't it didn't work that much because he's not working at Marvel anymore. <laughs> his bio yeah. always says that he he works at Marvel. And yeah, that's the that's a headline. Marvel it's writer. Marvel and Daryl makes comics, and yeah. I was like, oh yeah, no wonder you lead with the Marvel because right? it's just I had it. I was I was working with Daryl, and then he got me a job at Marvel. But um, one thing I wanted to point out because uh, you you touched on something that just reminded me of it is I remember when I was very young in comics, like I I just put out my first Marvel book. And it was a uh, what if age of Ultron and it's about like Wolverine and Spider-Man or whatever, whatever. And uh, I, 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 I signed up to do this show called the Latino comic expo in San Jose. And I, I only wanted to go cause the Hernandez brothers were going to be awesome. There. And I love the Hernandez yes. brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, and they make comics that are just like, so they're so authentically like Latino, but not in a way where it's cut it's cu- it cuts people off from enjoying they're it, the right? cream of the crop of using your background your culture and your lived experiences 
and making it into a yeah. beautiful comic. I love it. And and so like I was just so excited to go there and meet these guys. I just put out a Marvel book. That you know that's all I really had to my name. But I was like, I go to this show and there's all these people that are like intermingling with each other, and all their books are about luchadors, all their books <laughs> are Day of the Dead stuff. All their books are like of a very specific thing. And like some of them are great. Like, you know, some of them like, you know, are dudes that, you know, I still look up to like as as guys who've been just doing this for so fucking long that I respect them a lot. Right. Yeah. And then some of them were just people that are like, I want to make a Mexican superhero. What would that be? It would be a luchador. And it's just like the Me mm -hmm. the, the the premier Mexican superhero was a guy named Kaliman who was just like a bare chested like Indian dude who wore a turban and like taught life lessons oh, love that in Spanish, <laughs> but it's, it has nothing to do with being, a, you know what I yeah. mean? Like, yeah, that, that people always, it used to be that luchador was shorthand for Mexican. And then it became, uh, then it became day of the dead shit. Mm -hmm. And what's funny is like, like you said, like Puerto Rico was so insecure of like, like that culture of like being able to express like what your culture is and shit. Yeah. That, this uh Miranda too um his his whole thing of the Colombian identity is literally just a Colombian flag <laughs> like yeah. that's it like what like I haven't read the Boricuena or whatever oh you mean la Borinquena, the the Puerto Rican flag yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Like, it's literally just that like because what else about because it that's is the shorthand that's that's the shorthand because mm -hmm. right. you trying to think about what actually defines uh, Puerto Rican culture and, and Mexican culture too, and any culture, <laughs> trying to define even, it and, even... and, and make it into digestible bites for people who don't know what mm -hmm. you're talking about. You're always going to trip yeah. and, and fall into cliches and to tropes and, and to stuff like that. Whereas if you just admit that whatever art you're doing is part of your culture. Amen. Then... That's then, that, yes. then it's yes. genuine, you know. You're just talking about, yes. yeah. It's just genuine because you don't, you don't. Who, who are you writing this for? Are you writing it for, for Puerto Ricans? Are you writing it for U.S. Puerto Ricans? Are you writing it for everybody? If you're writing it for everybody, everybody responds to genuineness. Uh, and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and if you try to make it digestible, and I'm thinking obviously of Le Manuel's Miranda awesome song about the municipalities and about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like uh with horrible this, like, song uh but yeah if you try to make it into these digestible bites then you, you you're gonna fall into a trope and of course um and if you don't know your history and if you don't bother to check in on the the comic scene uh mm -hmm. then you then you trip even more i think um it would be like that's a uh, yeah go for it no that that's that's a perfect segue because i don't think i don't really think we need to talk about this comic much yeah. more ramon did you have anything else you wanted to talk about this comic i was just gonna say like it's funny because i was literally gonna say yeah we don't really need to talk about this one because it's kind of like <laughs> yeah. whatever one but last the, note uh, on the, this comic uh-huh oh i was just gonna say um partially why is because they're literally the plot is just they they land an evil an evil plant guy takes over groot and then the the old wise puerto rican woman comes out and is like no groot you're puerto rican and then it's just like, yo soy Groot. And that's it. Like, that's. Yeah. <laughs> that's the that's entirety the, of it. That's the entirety Actually, that of page, it. Actually, that page that presents us, Abuela, is is very is very telling. Like, you have this kid with, like, a run DMC yeah. jacket. Just, it, which is 
the most fictitious thing about this book. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, this... a small child with a Run DMC jacket that is tucked yeah. into cargo shorts. Yeah, military uh, style cargo shorts. And so this lady is is like she she's a a a very very visibly like Afro Latina and and yeah. Egaldo Miranda does this thing where he tries to like do Afro Latinidad and we can jump into like this whole other like conversation about like where Puerto Ricans should be speaking from in terms of uh, like being Afro Latino. Um, well, if you're but white, you because... shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But then Edgardo Miranda, like, what color do you like? What color do you put him on? Where does he fall into that conversation? Well, Daryl um, gets it. Anyway, it's crazy. Um, she's gets it. she's doing this. That. She's doing this like speech about uh, uh, nature, and it's very strange to see like. They obviously just hired any artist. Well, it's a, I think it's a Latino artist. Is it? The credits. Yeah. Is it? Because I... It says like, Nelson Faro de Castro. Sounds pretty... Sounds legit. I don't know. It, I, don't know. I just, I I just felt I very... The, it felt very strange. It is, whoever it is, it doesn't have a lot of like... It's very... Uh, the kind of comic that you would get in a cereal box. Yes. So like, yeah. Yeah. It's, and nothing, the... it's nothing spectacular and... The colors are uh, soto soto color, and it's just like it's it's fine, it's whatever. It really does but, feel like the most generic comic yeah. you can you can get. Um, it yeah, it's well. What's funny is they also uh, the I in the interview that I read with them, they said like they were surprised because they you know they turned in the script to Marvel. Marvel like okay, great, and they're like, oh, what do we do now? And they're like, oh, you're done, like. <laughs> <laughs> like, like oh yes. we don't have to we don't have you to did like, it. talk to the artists or we don't have to do uh we don't have to like um we don't have to like promote it or anything like that like, no, no no it's done like we'll, we'll do all that stuff but like it just made me laugh because you know they're like oh coming from like doing our own books like we knew how to do all this stuff it's like you know you still can do that stuff <laughs> i don't mm-hmm. know why marvel would have said like you don't have to worry about that especially because in an interview that we watched with this guy he was talking about when he when he works on a book, uh, that was I sent Daniel a, a interview with him earlier today, Rosa. That was like um, uh-huh. this dude talking about his process of making comics, and he create he gets all this uh, reference photos, and but he never says to give to anybody, so which is like implied that he draws it because he's yeah, kind of like a lot of the shots are him on a drawing table. board. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, he's like at a drawing board talking about like his process and like pulling up reference photos so that the whole world feels like real and organic and lived in and i'm like what and it's it's funny that you mentioned that because from that video you can see the 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 seed of la borinquena being sprouted in his head as he's as he's like talking Mm. like he's talking about how he wants to show culture and he has like these these like generic uh protest illustrations yeah. mm-hmm. where the the protest had like a, a wide variety of people types um mm-hmm. and that all, it's like basically like this the word in spanish is like mejunje uh-huh. <laughs> but but like this like uh stew of all the identities that he wanted to like claim in a way um 
And that leads to his idea of creating La Borinquena, which is like a year later, he comes out with his premier money-making venture. <laughs> like, it, it really does feel like um, him wanting to create a character that wasn't a character d didn't have adventures or personality or anything yeah, he, he, this... he wanted to he wanted like what 20% of the people right now are doing in comics which is just build enough content for somebody else to buy it and develop it for yeah. TV or for movie or whatever but, but like build mm -hmm. enough of a content but with like not the opposite of high concept it's just uh just yes. like oh, no uh, concept. Puerto Rican. She's Puerto Rican. Yeah, <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, because the, everything Imagine else would a... be worked out later. <laughs> and and the, yeah. the the concept itself is, is like basically when he launches La Borinquena, there was a comic book creator um, in Puerto Rico, wow. a Puerto Rican yeah. uh, named Omar Casanovas, who. Um, felt a way about it because he had been working on and promoting and a Puerto Rican finishing. female superhero called Body Girl. Yeah. But I have to say there I have to say I I I thought it was completely overhyped the problem. Yeah, I, I think that this is entirely coincidence. I yeah, I, I because do fall on the I I, I follow on the argument that literally if you tell someone Puerto Rican superhero, everybody will come up with La Borinquena and Bordy Girl and it's exactly the same. Yeah, it, and also... Well, yeah, if you create something generic, you can't be surprised yeah, exactly. that uh, somebody else has created something generic as but well. But I also have to Ab say, exactly. like, um, that's also the problem and that would be one of the problems when when Diaspora try to to make a space for themselves without... I don't. I mean to say without doing it properly, but there's no way of doing it properly. But you just use common sense and courtesy, and mm -hmm. the cur the courteous thing would have been for him to get to know the local comic scene, and he would have naturally stumbled uh, into this, and would have uh, um, avoided all of the all of the chisme uh, if he had just bothered. But there's there's a way of thinking that. Um, if I don't see what's happening in Puerto Rico as far as arts, entertainment, movies, cinema, we have that? all of that. We have all of that. Of and if you avoided all of the avoided all of the what of the chisme, <laughs> the chisme, Ramon, you know what chisme is? No, the gossip. That's, that's uh, it's it's gossip, but it's also controversy. Oh, okay. Yeah, nice. it's like yeah. chisme. And um, because yeah, this became a, this became a a, a, a thing. bigger issue when the artist uh did a big post speaking out against and yeah uh, and let's say he's Egaldo yeah. and I'm not because mm, mm -hmm. he's a little bit problematic apparently I remember stories this artist yes. the the no honestly this is one of these like situations where uh, I don't I haven't even seen the Godzilla movie where they say it but I'm like let him let him fight <laughs> um right because I don't care yeah. because I don't yeah this guy, I, I don't know yeah. but then exactly so but, that the problem would have been solved if he, if Edgardo had bothered to come uh, a couple of years before, come to the Puerto Rico Comic Con, sure. Come to the other smaller conventions that that uh, mm -hmm. pre-recession, pre-COVID, we had one apparently every three months, it felt like. 
and and just get to know the people that are that are going on and just or just ask just ask hey how's the comic scene over there but they assume that we since we are not vocal about these things so they assume because they haven't seen it in the u.s that it must not exist which is something mm -hmm. that that i saw also because i made friends with uh these guys from uh one guy from from chile and they had comics they had their own little comic studio over there and they were giving out uh small scholarships to 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 web comic artists from chile and they were doing all of these really cool things and we were talking about it, and they they traveled to the u.s to some conventions and people were like Oh, because this obscure work of comics uh, from our from Argentina, let's say, and they would say it's not obscure. It's obscure here, but everybody over there reads it, and everybody over there knows it. It's not obscure. Uh, so there's a there's a there's like a gateway around the U.S. And if you don't see it, then it must be that nobody's done it. And if nobody's done it, hey, you could be the first one, right? And yeah, I mean, he went on a media tour. Like, mm -hmm. I there were so many interviews. I watched. A few when I was just drawing, just because I need something put on the background, and I was like, yeah, I might as well be this so I can know what to talk about on yeah. the show. And he was talking about this is the first Puerto Rican superhero mm -hmm. ever, mm -hmm. and just he, it was that was that was the, part of the problem. That was part of that was the was well, that was the opening pitch. That was the thing that he sold the yeah. thing on is like you've never seen a Puerto Rican superhero before, and it's like. There are Marvel superheroes that are Puerto Rican. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and DC superheroes and image superheroes. And there was a whole decade of local comics just for yeah. superheroes yeah. here. But, I mean, he worked at Marvel for a long yeah, time. Yeah, you, know? you would think. <laughs> for 16 pages he worked at it. <laughs> so you thought he would have maybe checked, like, oh, is there any Puerto Rican superheroes? But it's always a, yeah. that need to be the first that need to – because you need to stand out and then – You created this character, and and again, listen, I don't know this guy. This also, yeah, this guy Groot predates Groot predates uh, Boricuenya. Yeah, and he's yeah, Puerto he's Puerto Rican. And he's Puerto Rican. Yes, so his own history. There you go. Uh, <laughs> How and, dare and you? Exactly, and all of this is constructive criticism, of course, uh, because I know people who work with yeah, this we're guy. Being uh, we're If being constructive. We're being constructive. This Miranda. Uh, Miranda, just, we love you. Uh, well, love let, you. let's you not take it that far. Let's not take it that far. This uh, is la raza, okay? <laughs> this is just yeah. uh, la, la patria. We're, we're, nosotros, la come patria. on. No. You know, But actually, I mean, I you know, it comes because... from a place where, you know, if you're diaspora and you're listening to this, uh, uh, take what you will from it because I know people work with him and they say he's a nice guy and I'm sure he's a nice guy. But, I'm, but sure. you can stumble and you can make mistakes and i think one of the mistakes with la borinquena was uh you didn't really get into what was being done on the island i think mm -hmm. they assumed that there are no comics on the island because we tend not to export and 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 i get it because i i by me yeah, we produce in small batches we we produce in small batches but it's also again our low self-esteem because part of Part of how I did Tintero, which is uh, the comics convention that I organized for a couple of years to to highlight local comic artists and illustrators, was that you know most of these most of these guys and, and gals and and days they didn't have uh, portfolio pages, they didn't have their work on the internet, they didn't have 
Uh, they had a lot of ideas, but they, they didn't have a place to showcase them. And um, and it's all part of the thing of, because you live here and you think my work is not good enough. My work is not good enough for Marvel. My work is not good enough for DC. Uh, my work is not good enough to be published outside of this island. My work mm -hmm. is I, I, I need to live. I need to eat. I need to work. And I don't have time. Yeah. And you start comparing yourself to people who, who do this for a living every day. Who have their own set of problems, of course, because the hustle is for yeah. everybody. Uh, for the record, I've never thought that I wasn't good <laughs> enough. For I've I've always known that I that's I, that's factually untrue because I told you like to stop being so toxic that when you get work at Marvel or DC and you said I'm not good but enough. But actually, I didn't say I wasn't good you know, enough. I, I said I just is. you're you're I, joking, but you're actually kind of right because I hadn't met anybody who had dared send their art to Comics Alliance or to. Uh, Project Rooftop before I met you. So it's like yeah, I just I just assumed of like like one of the first comic books I got published was I just hit up Brandon Graham on DeviantArt saying I really like Profit. Can I be in it? You have that, <laughs> that, that, that's that, that's, it. that's to me that kind of attitude is unique uh, because I don't oh. see it often. And you know I ta I taught right. for a for right, couple of but... years and I it's truly for me to pitch to the nib I had to convince myself for like uh, the whole trip I, I pitched to the nib on the airport in Chicago coming from from cake over to here and and it took me like like verbalizing like do you think it's worth it? Do you think do you think they might take up on it? I mean what would I write about? What would it? And it's like uh, I know it's also a uh, an in, uh, a thing uh, with me, but I also saw it in the students I had. Yeah, and I also it's, saw it. it's much more common. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Your right. your attitude I was just is being way an idiot. Unique. Like you keep going like that. You keep going. Uh, but I one of one of these people, this artist, I I I just wanted to like read a little bit of this excerpt from what happened with uh, Body Girl and La Borinquena just for it. because it. It was such, this is what uh, you could say triggered me about the matter when it comes to like a, a Puerto Rican native creator. And also, I do not want, I do not want this to be about um, like antagonizing the diaspora. Exactly. This is not what this podcast is about. But um, this is an excerpt from a Facebook post on his art page where he opened up about what happened. Um, after expressing publicly how sad and disappointed I felt on my Facebook page, I received a call from one of the collaborators of the Borinquena in which I was warned of the following. We have spent many years in the industry and know many people, artists, writers, editors, and publishers. The comic industry works depending on contacts you have, and right now, we have all the contacts. If you continue throwing mud at our project, Say goodbye to your dream of working with Marvel, Image, DC, or any recognized company. Nobody will want to work with you after this, no matter how good your work is. It sounds like and super fake. Reading that, <laughs> threat. I did not. I did not care about La Borinquena. I, I don't care about Body Girl, but it meant that. La Borinquena, no matter what the like, I didn't even care to read the comic because. It started with an act of intimidation. It started mm -hmm. with an act of um, big timing, um, and in 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 a very real way, like this is colonization. Yeah, this is uh, you don't you don't get. We have the power. 
if you play nice, we maybe will let you in on some work. And for the record, since he deleted the publication, they stopped talking to him. Like, as soon as he dele- deleted his big stink, they never hit yeah. him up for any work. Like, this this whole promise <laughs> uh, was, like, underhanded, sleazy tactics. And I and as soon as I, I, I just didn't want anything more to do with this guy. Yeah, that was my introduction to him, too. And I... I started following him on Twitter just to see what was happening. And it struck me that he came from this background where he decided to stand out uh, with his uh, with his with his own background. And then he had come to Puerto Rico and he had brought this superhero. And I think if, if and he made this huge thing with this guy who I don't like particularly like either. And I don't uh, and I I'm not endorsing. They were both wrong by making really. Uh, Ramon, you can bleep out the creator's name if you want. No, <laughs> so like, like, no, like the, uh, Omar Casanova. I, I've heard stories not great, and I don't think he also. I don't think he was such a wronged party either. Like, uh, yeah. you know, so whatever to him. But yeah, they they both made really generic designs, and if and if the one with the supposed power had actually done some research on the local on the local scene, he would have stumbled on this guy who does these pinups with this girl with the flag and and all of this would have been resolved. But the fact that he had to strong arm him and come here like swinging uh, a big uh, sexual appendage around and making like uh, making like he's this big time dude for the little islanders really also rubbed me the wrong way. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. And then I looked up more information and uh, and then uh, Hurricane Maria happened. <laughs> and it got yeah, worse yeah. and 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 that that leads us to the the other disaster capitalism aspect of laborin kenya that he would like this is a character that doesn't have three issues of their own comic out but managed to get a full ass anthology called reconstruction with laborin kenya yeah yeah that was him laborin kenya uh collaborating with all of these big name DC heroes um, in in like restoring the island heroics like it's basically um, the the Groot the 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 Groot PRification with La Borinquena and DC heroes. it was wild because uh, right so he came over here with one issue and he supposedly was in the Puerto Rico Comic Con I have, I stopped going to the Puerto Rico Comic Con when he was there and so I didn't catch him uh, but then he mm-hmm. was on CNN uh, being interviewed for uh, in Mondo Bizarro the the mm-hmm. comic book shop the second comic book shop in Rio Piedras uh, that has long since uh, passed but uh, for a for a long while, uh, Mondo Bizarro had like a little bit of a legitis- legitimacy bubble. So when mm-hmm. this guy traveled over here, and then all of a sudden he's getting interviewed in this alternative space for comics and stuff like that for CNN. But the owners aren't there. None of the the owners had also had a publishing. Like I don't know if you remember, they had a publisher called Pernicious Press, and they had been uh publishing underground lowbrow stuff uh mm-hmm. and they weren't like it's very like alt indie comic scene very punky not laborin yeah very punky and then but 
you know, he's not using his his fame with with getting an interview for CNN to talk about comics on the island, even while you're in their store. Uh, mm -hmm. so, right. Yeah. yeah. So uh, and, and then that just really rubbed me the. I was say it really was like uh, Lin Manuel Miranda, like doing the Nescafe. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Like, yes. Like, oh, you want some great coffee? Here's uh, Nestle coffee, and it's like, motherfucker, there is already great coffee there. Like, why are you? It's, it, creating yeah, the great coffee is right behind you. Exactly. So that like DC Comics can do a tax write off. Exactly. And so that you could build your brand. And I remember I I was very critical of him at the beginning. Part of my because, but people, you know, you you can't really say stuff about these things, and then people call you like you're just you're just jealous it's like well no yeah. i'm not jealous but i think that if <laughs> if you yeah, we're just making a whole episode about we're it. just making a whole episode about it but uh, yes i'm totally <laughs> jealous but no i'm not jealous because I, that's not the stories i want to write either but mm -hmm. i i don't uh, know I don't know who got it worse between him or Dan Slot, but neither of these are are by jealousy. Um, no, this know, is pure. It's just like yeah, <laughs> but at, at the time you couldn't really say anything because there the, again we we bring it whoever everybody gets accepted. So there's this guy he made this comic, and why don't you just appreciate it? And why are you looking for all of the five uh, five legs on the cat? And let's go pata Yeah, why are that's you, uh, uh -huh, Puerto Rican saying. saying as well. And and I would try to say, well, you know, it's not the kind of Puerto Rican nest that I want to read. I don't want to read. Uh, I don't want to read about Puerto Rico where you talk to me about pasteles in Christmas and you say yeah. explain to me what a guiro is. And I don't. I don't want to read about those things. Right. Um, but I don't think I had the language to it, really articulate that. It felt exploitative. Yeah, exactly. You, di you didn't want to read your own exploitation. Right. Uh, but again, it's like I, I didn't have the vocabulary to explain it. And, and mm -hmm. fighting online just gets... Ugh. And so I let I let it go. But then he came up with Reconstruction. And, and uh, as you know, we worked on Puerto Rico Strong. Uh, yeah, no, we're 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 on the Coca Cola side of the Coke and Pepsi. <laughs> yes, we're on the Coca Cola side. <laughs> um, but I actually Puerto Rico strong. Yeah, yeah. But I got an email uh, from another person who was working on the reconstruction, asking me, uh, asking if I wanted to to join in. And mm -hmm. I, at that time, I was also working on a little self published anthology with uh indie comic book people and they were talking about how unfair it was that we didn't get paid for these charity works when we were also suffering from the hurricane effects and i had already mm -hmm. decided that i was only going to do the one <laughs> charity thing mm -hmm. and um so i sent him an email back and i said you know uh i understand that these things are rushed and limited but could you consider uh getting payment for for the artists who are going to participate in your anthology And he basically, and he basically, very politely, like, "Who are you, Mead?" Uh, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yes. yes. And but it was very polite. And then I, I answered. Wait. But so what did he say? He said that he wasn't getting paid for the, he he wasn't getting paid for the project, which is, which is, probably very true was, because. Uh, was the was Yannick Paquette? getting paid for his pages oh i'm sure but i i wouldn't want to say but i'm betting yes but i don't know because i don't know i don't mm -hmm. know the charity thing and people sometimes do donate pages i guess but let's say he, nobody got paid let's say nobody got paid which is fine whatever but uh to his argument i 
I did not counter because I did not care after <laughs> after the second. Yeah, you, like, you were gonna get I, into I, it. I just told him who I was. You... I told him why I was I was concerned, and then I left mm-hmm. it at that. And but I think well, there's but yeah, mm-hmm. there's a there's something there's something very off putting to me about thinking about there's a guy who wants to raise money for Puerto Rico for Puerto Ricans mm-hmm. yeah. because that because he's concerned about you know. Uh, it's a you know in this I'm looked at a global citizen article about it and he's talking about the recession he's talking about how the the Puerto Rican is billions of do- hundreds of billions of dollars in debt all the people there like they need money and then if a Puerto Rican that they want to hire to draw the thing is like oh can I have some money they're just like what mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> like if your whole if your whole thing about this is financial then why are you surprised that somebody would want to get paid for what they're doing yeah. Just silly. And also, there's there's another type of currency, and it is the the thing that I actually like about if I'm going to compare anthologies, and I'm to- I totally am. Uh, the thing that I liked about the anthology that that the Puerto Rican Strong anthology is that they let us choose what topics we wanted to talk about, and um, there wasn't other than Lion Forge branding, there wasn't much more to it. Uh, yeah, I had free reign. So I, I didn't mind uh, not getting paid for the, the thing I did. I did a pinup. Like, it, it's funny that, like, we, Rosa, you and me were both Eisner Award winners. But, yes. <laughs> but it, it's very, in a Flex. very random way that I don't, I, com- I completely forget. I put it on my Twitter bio and then I completely forget to add it on to anything. <laughs> Just like, we're, hi. Wait a minute. Did did you go up against a reconstruction for the Eisner? Yeah. I don't know if they were considered, but oh, they weren't even nominated. Oh my no, god. No, yeah, no, they I weren't know. nominated that's for a, Eisner's. That, what what did you say? The Cheesemith? Yes, that's it's, the Cheesemith. That's, that's right. I like. I love it. I love it that this is gonna be any word. Um. Oh my god, they're not even nominated. That's I don't so know if they got nominated what? the next year. I don't know if if how they came out, but I remember that Puerto Rico Strong was three nominations and. Uh, with three nominations and it would um, nominees. Uh, let me look up to see if the reconstruction had any nominations but, at all. Uh, yeah, the thing is that you are getting paid in currency because they are using your character and some of the some of the stories. If you wanted to write with certain characters, you had to use his character as well. So his character is getting a lot of promo and a lot of advertising. So you right. are getting some currency out of it, even if it isn't cash. Uh, His character's right next to Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. Batman, and Superman. Yeah. Which I didn't... That's because okay, so he, he did win an honorary... He won an honorary Eisner for this. That's bullshit. That doesn't count. <laughs> it, well, I'm just saying it is what it is. He won a humanitarian Eisner. Which he won I a trophy a of thing. participation. It, <laughs> it said he won a Bob Clampett humanitarian mm. award. Well, which was created I mean, in 1984 to honor people in comics same as, who've worked to help others. Same as Liminal, right? You, you, If you have made a lot of money and you've given it to charity, that's great. It's very commendable. Uh, but we are uh, just constructive criticism here. Uh, we are going... Reconstructive reconstruct- Yes, that's very good. So I don't think... Um, <laughs> I don't think... Hey, maybe title of the episode? Oof. I, 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 You have my vote. <laughs> I have no vote here, but I vote for it as oh. well. Um, so, yeah, I think that was, uh, I mean, the need to align yourself to a bigger company, I get. But the the pushing your character over and over. And to me, 
it was iffy but i let it go because also i know a lot of talented people worked on the book and and their work has merit you know but then and this is cheese as well uh when the government finally decided to admit that all of these people had died uh during hurricane maria or because of hurricane maria related uh effects they decided to hold and it was so so late in this in this tragedy they decided to hold a, a ceremony in san juan for the dead and everybody had to dress in white and it was this big to-do thing and protesters uh disrupted it with a projector from a building and stuff like that uh so it was a very meaningless gesture made a little bit powerful by the protests and uh he got invited to that and he showed up uh with his comic in hand and i thought that wasn't and he tweeted the photo again i follow him on twitter and he tweeted the photo and Having the comic out is such a wild move. Right? Because maybe, yeah. I mean, I probably didn't hold it during the ceremony, but he did take pictures. And, you know, if everybody knows who you are, you don't it's have foul. to whip out your comic. And, and I thought that was just in very poor taste. He Especially because he didn't even win a realizer. <laughs> he won the Bob Clampett no. Award. That wasn't... <laughs> one, one, one more thing about uh, his character because yeah, you uh-huh. were saying like who is this made yeah. for right you 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 said like specifically when you create something you wonder like i i'm the same way i did a i did a i did a couple mexican characters and i always think like like so for example rosa i did a character called romero muerte that was in a backup for uh, my buddy's book and the character when i when i created it when i drew it i've always said it it was i wanted to draw something that my grandpa would like not necessarily like something that like you know my both my grandfathers who emigrated from from Mexico I wanted to make something that they would think would think mm-hmm. is cool so I just you know I did a charro I didn't do like a luchador I did something that was you know Mexican uniquely Mexican but still felt like of that culture yeah. and something that I grew up like my grandpa taught me how to draw a cowboy hat when I was like 5 yeah. you know what I mean mm-hmm. so like like I wanted to do something to honor like my grandpa Pete, my grandpa, my grandpa Mon. So like I made this character and like you know, we we got to do it and I made it. I had all these like different cultural things of like things that reminded me of my uncles, my mother, my aunts. You know like cholos, all this kind of shit that I grew yeah. up with because I made it for other Mexicans, yes. right? Mm-hmm. This is what he says about uh, Boricueña. She's not a character that was created for Puerto Ricans. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> Flat out. She just happens to be Puerto Rican. And even though the narrative centers around Puerto Rican heritage, there's still fundamentally that universal narrative that she is a science student. She's very invested in climate change and the environment. These are universal values that are not specific to an ethnic group or to even someone regionally. Being a global citizen means you have to remind yourself that you don't live isolated in the rest of the world just because your specific home, neighborhood, city was part of the planet. It's important to be as connected to your neighbor across the street as it is to be connected to your neighbor across the planet. So this is mm-hmm. just entirely a globalist version of a superhero. But like, while there are real-world people living in that place that are just like, what about us? Yes. That's kind of wild because... I'm rendered speechless. That's kind of wild that he would say that flat out. <laughs> Listen, this is not the first time I've rendered someone <laughs> speechless with my great digging, <laughs> my great researching 
Uh, this is what I'm. I thought that this was going to be the episode where you couldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. I mean, Dan, you know, I always have to get my shit off. He throw. don't miss. <laughs> uh yeah that's wild because yeah i that's a that's a good that's a good uh like that's a good thing to end on yeah that's a good point to end on and, and talk to rosa, yeah let's talk to you rosa you got going on yeah um i i always uh in, enjoy your work you. i i wanted to talk a little bit you gave us a goodbye for now to to yes. look at i i own this comic and i love it thank you uh but how how are you doing what what are you up to recently what are your projects right now i am uh well you know i've been living through the pandemic as you have uh mm-hmm. being depressed uh being <laughs> being yeah i i shifted from from having a 95 job to working at home freelance and i thought that would have prepared me from be, for being inside my house 24 hours a day uh but it hasn't uh but i've been um i've been working through the pandemic too but it's been mostly illustration work i wanna mm-hmm. i wanna say like yeah yeah well no uh and some comic work too because i i participated in diaz's anthology uh carroña rapiña carroña which shout out shout out to omal banucci and rosaura, and rosaura. yes who had a baby um um congratulations to her yes um yeah these are also uh local creators who are doing really fascinating really unique stuff um yeah they're like there's so there's so many there's so many people that i i i wish we could talk about um yeah so but, they to bring uh, it to bring it actually mm-hmm. to the theme they got a scholarship from beta local who got their money from the hispanic federation <laughs> hey, hey full circle so i know the money got put to good use but it's still questionable yeah. um yeah if they send me some money i'll use it i don't care I, i'll sell out for <laughs> for a little bit you know Chasha. um but um so i did that project and in and you can read the comics online at diazcomics.com, uh, I think. I think there's a dash somewhere. I'll send you the link and maybe you can add it to your show notes. Uh, but um, the, there's a whole bunch of comics there. It was an interesting experience because uh, the scripts were made by writer writers, not comic writers. Mm-hmm. So it was a bit of a challenge to adapt it to sequential art. And I, and I like those challenges. It's kind of like a puzzle. Uh, and I'm very happy with how it turned out. And um, I started a new art collective with uh, Tania Gonzalez, Ivia Vantoja, and Adriana uh, Garcia. I think. And we uh, we're doing like lots of little art stuff on Instagram, and we have some art expos planned out. Of course, the the pandemic derailed us all, and and I'm supposed to be working on some pitches. And I'm supposed to be working on my to do list and hustling. Yes, basically that's it, right? It's like at one point you just lift your head and you say, "Oh no, mm-hmm. this hustle is never going to stop." Yeah, <laughs> I, I've accepted that, and and now I, for some reason I feel like I'm thriving. Like uh, something kicked in January first or January second. Oh, nice. Um and. I I'm like okay this is the hustle this is like 
I, I just I got to keep working and I, it'll never stop. Yeah. But as long as I get a little bit of a. a like, I had that last the year. Jobs I, I have to like, do. Answering like a mm-hmm. bunch of emails and going, oh, this is going to be the, my life. for This is going to be my life forever. Just sending emails, answering emails, filling out forms and sending out the forms and then getting the work and then sending out the work and filling out more forms. Um, but I'm. Is- is the work that that came out on the nib your most recent work? No, the DS is my, that's my most recent work for the nib. They've sent some they 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 keep publishing but I haven't found an angle to pitch again, but I really like that story okay. to the uh the power the populist. Issue. Yeah. And and that was really good and ah and and I got the same way we have an Eisner. I got an Ignatz for Oh yes, oh, I got an Ignatz for participating in the anthology for the Nib for the the uh, Be Gay Do Comics. Matt Matt Bors strikes again. Matt Bors is Ignatz strikes again. Yeah, so nice. Damn Matt Bors, damn Ignatz. <laughs> and they're actually <laughs> gonna shout out, to, shout out to Matt. Yes, and they're actually gonna send us a little piece of the brick to all the collaborators. Oh, so I'm gonna see that. That is I'm gonna cry a the little thing bit when that I, I hold. That's that's a thing I hold a little bit against the PR strong people. Like, are we gonna like? I would love a little chunk of the Eisner. Yeah, break, break that. that globe. Yeah, <laughs> we smash the globe. Smash the globe. I get why I get why they don't. But the Eisner should actually bother to send us some certificates or something. It should be up to the editors. The I would have loved like an email from Boom Studios or something. Uh, yeah, or just yeah, something like a certificate. Like yeah, Lion Fortunes. Yeah, like a certificate. Something I can. Yeah, some kind of license that says I'm an Eisner winner. Yes, other than, you know, I'm saying it because it's so. Uh, but yeah, I've been keeping myself busy and I've been doing the hustle and working a lot and should be working more on those pitches and pitching more. But I feel like time wound down. No, you got to breathe. What? You, you need to, you need to like do a little bit of self-care too like you can't, it can't all be this all the time well right? i take my saturdays very seriously now i didn't when i first started working freelance which i think is what everybody does like you think they gotta do the 24 7 but uh slowly but surely i've learned to not answer emails on the weekends and uh take Blessed. yeah and mm-hmm. take my saturdays very seriously and i get on my car and i drive to wherever i want one of the most beautiful things that has happened <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. in this horrible, horrible time frame that we're living is that um, I've I've let go of the San Juan uh, bias of thinking that everything is very far away Thank by you. driving. Thank you for... for <laughs> right? See, Ramon, like, Rosa is from San Juan and I'm from the island. <laughs> Like there is there is a there is a distinction within the island that if you're from San Juan you're from San Juan if you're from outside of San Juan you're, you're like an island uh hibaro and you're too far like, away country bumpkin like, person snobbery it's pure San Juan snobbery and I was a victim of it uh Daniel is a country bumpkin though <laughs> yes I am 100% hibaro and it's great and that's fine so I used to uh, suffer. Yeah, no, and Ro- Ro- Rosa's eyes are, are finally opening yes. up. 
It's like only two hours away. It's very close. We're a small island. I can drive there. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're really spoiled. Like, <laughs> like in the I states. In, I live in California, uh-huh. Rosa, but I don't live in any of the California places that people know. I live in Stockton, which is about like like living on the island. <laughs> <laughs> You're in the island of California. So I'm, not, I'm, I'm all about it. Amazing. Yeah, because we you get to that place where before the pandemic, we used to be like, what? You want me to drive where? I'm That's so far away. And we're t- we'll take a whole day to get there and then we'll come back late. And now it's like, what? That's just three hours away. Let's go. Let's go look at that dam and the pelicans and the guaraguas. Mm-hmm. And let's just mm-hmm. go and sit under a tree. Let's go. Uh, so I'm taking my, my mental health seriously, but I'm also, uh, working a whole bunch and I was very fortunate to, to keep working, uh, during is that, hell is months. that a little bit inspired, uh, by goodbye for now? Or were you thinking about that when you were working on that comic? Because part of what I love about it is, is that you take that drive you like, uh, or the characters. Well, I took the drive the island. Uh, uh, before all of this, when I, when Carla and me were still together, we used to take drives, uh, very infrequently, but when we decided to, uh, when we went to Aguadacon for one year, we stayed in Rincón, mm-hmm. and I really liked that west side of the island. And West coast is the best coast. Yes, the west truth. coast is the better coast. Uh, and I really liked it. And then when our, all of our friends started moving away because of the recession, uh, we we started to say, well, how how would we actually say goodbye to Puerto Rico? And we took the drive. Um, so we actually stopped on in all of those places. I took photo references. We walked the areas as much as we could. Uh, for example, the church, the little stone church, we couldn't actually get in either mm-hmm. because it was closed. So the girls didn't go in. Um, yeah. So it so it would feel as, as authentic as possible. And we wanted it to feel like a travel comic without being a travel comic. Yeah. Mm. It, uh, Ramon, you were going to say something or... Oh, no, I was, you know, I just said, oh, yeah. <laughs> no, it, I, it's just no, that I, I'm very, I'm very. It is a great looking book, though, ah, by the way. I, I, Daniel sent me the PDF. Yes. Thank you so and, much. And I'm, I'm very fond of it because it felt like one of the few instances where I've seen modern Puerto Ricans, as I identify with, um, dealing with the struggles of the the diaspora or like the modern diaspora which is like all of our friends leaving yeah it's very different from like previous diasporas which is like now a new generation of people living in the states with a a a particular identity uh versus what we're going through what we're still going through which is like our literal closest people um having no other opportunities left on the island and needing to go like my brothers i'm like the last of my family my immediate family i'm like the last of us here i have brothers in the states and a sister in the states and having to say goodbye to all of them slowly is a very hard experience and your comic there's this there's this moment where you get into the 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 anger of it 
and and it felt very real because very it's the genuine. anger i was feeling as well. uh yeah those are actually conversations we had at that at that time uh we were having a lot of discussions because i didn't want to move i didn't feel like we we would have any place to move to like um I don't. We live in a paradise, right? But I, I also look at the state, at the United States, and I, and I go, I don't want to live anywhere there because I don't feel connected to anything there. Like I don't. I I'm, wouldn't feel safe. Uh, what? I'm sorry. I, I like it. 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 I. I. I wouldn't feel like in danger of like nationalist violence. <laughs> well, like that. That added another layer. But like you know, yes. some people say like I oh my I have a lot of family in New York or I have a lot of family in Florida or I don't have any family living in the U.S. because my my family uh, from my grandmother's generation on down has become very small, uh, and they're mm -hmm. all here. And um, as far as I know, most of them are here. But I don't have a connection to somewhere where I could go and say, "Well, I have family there. I can try it there, and then move on from from there to somewhere." And and I'm also very like stationary because I also think that um, in the United States there's this really nice attitude where you say like, "Oh, I live in California, but then I want to move to Portland, and I want to move to Wyoming." And no, I would never say anything <laughs> like that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know there's uh -huh. this attitude that you have this whole <laughs> wide open country to move around in and I, and i like san juan and 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 i don't and i've never lived anywhere else but in san juan even though i love the, all of the island uh and i mean it's it's funny because uh -huh. when you when you both talk about that kind of stuff like i really do relate to it because i grow up in a very specific like uh mexican-american like community yeah. you know what i mean like the city i live in now is like in the united states the most diverse by numbers like by just breakdowns of percentages the the most diverse city in america they've got like blacks latinos asians white like just down the list they have like an equal representation not like across the board yeah. but you know as diverse as you get and you know but still like you know you find your community where you are and where i grew up was where the like where the migrant farmers settled in california in the valley where they were like picking picking uh fields and stuff like that's just that's the environment i grew up in that's what i'm comfortable with that's the food that i'm used to that's the kind of parties that i'm used to going to yeah. you know mm -hmm. what i mean so like to to then imagine going even just Like I said, like Chicago Mexicans are just wildly different. L.A., completely different. Like there's a very specific kind of thing here that I'm used to, that I'm comfortable with. And imagining just having to experience that culture, like a weird mutated version of it. Like I imagine it would be like you going to New York and feel, being like around yeah. these New Yorkans that would be like confused why your comic about Puerto Rico <laughs> doesn't have the flag on the cover. <laughs> yeah. And not all the characters. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I could imagine that being, like, a culture shock in the same way. Less so, because, you know, obviously it's not the same. But similar in that it's just like, wow, why would I want to live with this people that is, like, my culture, but, like, often, like, re very distinct ways that are, that are yeah like, and, unfamiliar and, and right. alien. Like, if you're lucky, if you're lucky, you, uh, like, for example, a Puerto Rican would, would get to a place and find other Puerto Ricans. But it, it, if not, like... It's very, it's it's very alienating, and yeah. I, 
I, I, I don't think I could, I, I don't think I could go through with it. And my, my family has, and I'm, I'm happy for them. But I, like, I went one time. I, it was 2013. I was just graduating. I just figured out that like climate change was really fucked. And I'm like, oh, maybe, maybe living in Puerto Rico might not be the best idea in the long term. Let me travel to the states to see what it would be like i had a friend in in portland mm-hmm. and i i went to visit her and see what it was like and it took me one week in portland to be like i never want to leave puerto rico <laughs> like I, yeah. I something about the 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 strange attitude like i just i i felt exposed at all times mm. like they like all the people around me knew that I was different. They were nice in a way that I wasn't. And I, and their niceness was rude mm. in, 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 in a way that I couldn't express. Like, like I would walk into a store and they would be upset that I didn't say hello. And so they would be mean about me not being nice. It, it, mm. it, 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 it's just like all these little yeah. like micro experiences yeah. that that made me feel way more pi- patriotic about being in Puerto Rico when I came back. Um, yeah, every time it's, I, it's, I traveled to comic conventions pre-COVID, I, I used to take the opportunity and think, well, if I lived here, how would this be? And, and I'm walking around because I usually... You know, I travel, I like to walk around, get a feel for it. I don't go to specific places to see what the day has and just wander around. Mm-hmm. And, and and you think, oh, this is so beautiful and this is so great. And and it's, and you think, yes, but then you, you get to, to the Airbnb you're renting and it feels very lonely and it feels very... And, and all of these emotions are running around and you think, oh, then I would have to deal with that every day. <laughs> If I moved somewhere mm-hmm. else, um, but I I genuinely like Puerto Rico, and I and it's very funny because the conversations in Goodbye for Now are very accurate because I, like I said, I used to be very apolitical and I very ambivalent about things, and um, most of my friends would would see me in university as very Americanized and as a as a prime candidate to move to the U.S. because I consume mm-hmm. so much U.S. pop culture. It must mean, uh, and added add add to that the gaps in my history of of my country and my culture. And it it must mean that you would want to live there, um, but I don't. And I see them and I was like, no, but you have to vote for independence and we have to become our own country. And they're like, who are you? And I'm like, who are you? Why aren't you as angry as I am? Uh, and, <laughs> and all of these conversations. And it's like, I really genuinely love working here. And if we had proper solar, green electricity and uh, high speed internet and stuff like that, there's no reason why I couldn't work here remotely to wherever because I I do something creative that affords me that luxury, um, yeah. So yeah. so I I think there's there was a lot of that uh, versus uh, uh, Carla wanted to actually move for for jobs because we have different we had different jobs, and I understand mm-hmm. and and most of my friends have moved because of jobs and and at that moment when we're writing the comics and we're doing the comics it it's always in such a way it used to be in such a way that it was everything everything was very rushed (laughs) 
because mm-hmm. you're, I used to work like a nine to five and I'm drawing this comic in between classes and in between stuff and coming home and drawing it at night and then rereading it. And then everything always rushes and you're calling the printers like, can you give me one more week? But I still need it for the same day. And, and you're, and we're driving around and doing all of these crazy things and that I really didn't have a sense of the comic after it was done. And I remember we did this whole activity and we asked other other artists to produce a new comic and we would call it um uh I didn't know like uh premiere day, right? Like we're premiering these comics. Mm-hmm. And and Omar Banushi from Diaz, he bought it and he started reading it and I'm I was like side eyeing him like oh is he liking it is he not and then he just lifted his huge green eyes and they were like full of tears and i was like oh did we write a really good comic (laughs) amongst all of this chaos did we write something good and that's that's when i kind of knew that this was gonna be my favorite my favorite comic that i had done so far you you mean goodbye for now yeah Yes, I, I completely uh, understand his reaction. And I always love hearing from him in, like, Facebook. He's always very, like, honest about <laughs> yes. his emotions. And I can see him reading this and feeling yes. all of it. I, 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 I sympathize with that. So, we're, we're, we've been going, we've been talking for a while. Um, mm-hmm. it, Ramon, is there any, any points you, you, you want to talk about before we wrap it up? No, I don't think so. I think we're pretty much ready to start. <laughs> All right, uh, Rosa, uh, <laughs> where 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 can where can the audience uh, find you? Find your work. Uh, they can follow me on Twitter at Soda Pop Comics, and I usually put everything there. If not, if they're more into Instagram, I'm also there, and you can look me up also as at Soda Pop Comics. And and you, and you have a podcast too. I have two podcasts actually. Uh, one of them is Desmenuzando with uh, Mario mm-hmm. Alegre, and that's Spanglish, but mostly Spanish. And we do a lot of pop culture stuff. And and I have one with the girls Tania and Ivia, and we talk about manga in De La Manga. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, we read. It's kind of like a book club. We read it. We we say why we like it or why we didn't like it, and we. We have fun reading new things. I've read so many cool things uh, thanks to these podcasts <laughs> because it's yeah, homework. I, I, this is the experience <laughs> that we're feeling too. Like we're reading more comics since we started the podcast than b- way like since way more than I had read for like the past couple of years. Right, because it's sure. homework and you make yeah. yourself read it and then you're enjoying it and you say, "What a great idea this podcast was." <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're looking at it differently, I think, than if we would have read it just like, you know, years ago. So it's kind of interesting yeah. from that, from that, like being a comic creator and reading comics is different than being like a, a fan of comics and reading comics. But that's why I like this show is that we get to talk about it from like yeah. kind of both sides. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Podcasts are Ramon, great. Ramon, uh, where can where can the audience find you? Well, you can follow me on Twitter at Ramon Villalobos and, you know, follow the show at Flintayo. And, you know, we got great Patreon support, patreon.com slash Uh If you're if you're able to, you know, kick us 
a little a couple bucks or whatever a month that's amazing there's a mythical um, there's a mythical microphone out there in it for me if, if we hey, get enough patrons. Nice. days it's coming ramon keeps baiting yeah. me with that microphone one of these days you're gonna have to up your sound quality and it's gonna have to be because i send you a microphone from amazon i'm excited <laughs> <laughs> and well um, you can find me uh, through the internet, uh, you can Google Daniel Irizarry, or you can uh, find me on Twitter at Daniel Irizarry, uh, Instagram as well. Um, is there is there anything? Now you say it that way for them because I always say Irizarry, and you're. I say Irizarry like, because very... I I did live four years in South Dakota. Um, okay. So Rosa, how do you feel about that? <laughs> Well, let's get into it now at the at the two hour forty mark. About <laughs> yeah, two hour forty. What about the hard R? No, what about Irisari? No, basically, Rosa, like if you were introducing him, how would you say his name? Irisari. Iris- okay, yeah. Right. And and the thing is, uh, it was like first to to fourth grade, and we just got used to making that pronunciation work because like it's much better than Irizari, which is what we got mm. uh, early on. So we compromised we that Irizari. But it's part of ago yeah. But it's about... part of code switching because I usually say when I when I travel to the United States, I say my name is Rosa instead yeah, of Rosa. Yeah, exactly. Like. <laughs> It's not gonna. My mom. My mom's name is. Yeah, Rosa. yeah. Because so if I'm, if I, if I were to if I were to talk amongst Puerto Ricans, I would I would even like scrape my R's. I'd be like Irisaji, like, which is extra. Or I would say Josa, uh, if, if I'm if I'm talking to Rosa yes. over here. But there is a core Jose, code switching but thing. But Josa is like Brazilian. That's not even. That's like that's like way different. Rosa. No, but that, that's just how I, that's just how I would pronounce it. Like I would scrape that R. That R is a particular was... regional accent from here. Supposedly, it's because of the French, French people who moved. Uh, it's the island. Yeah, it's the yeah. Islander coming out of. And them. and so we learned to code switch. We learned to sure, uh, sure. say Daniel I mean, instead I, of Daniel. I get, I get it. I get it because I always used to like people will call me like you know. Ramon, mm-hmm. and that's what I generally go by. Yeah, uh, yeah. but but it's Ramon, know, Ramon, Ramon, different. Ramon, Villalobos. I I just say you know whatever works for you guys. I say Ramon like the Ramon. Yeah, but I do appreciate that you put in that extra effort to pronounce the Irisari. <laughs> I, I it's nice, Ramon. Yeah, I yeah. don't I don't think that it's not valued. It, it was it was something though, like like when I was growing up. When people would say Villa Lobos, mm. I would say it's Villa Lobos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like my my la- my first name, whatever, who cares? My last name, I felt like come yeah. On, they're talking about your dad. Do that. Now we're, we're talking about my grandpa. <laughs> exactly. Now we're talking about my my whole family. Like, don't don't disrespect them. And I didn't care. That was one thing where I didn't care. Like, say my name right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My last name. That's the one that mattered. On that note, Daniel, wait, it's been wait. I think you did no, pretty good. I want to wait. I want to say it though. I want to say it at the end. What? what like you can you want to say what? wrap it up. I want to say. Well, I was. Well, I was saying that you did pretty good. Okay. Like this was your first time hosting the show, but you know now it's time to go. So I have to say my sign off. No, I wanted to I say, say it. I wanted to say it. Why would you say it? It's my thing. Take it I away, hell yeah, babies. <laughs> that was so cute. <laughs>